1: Welcome to Podcast Nick. I'm Travis Dow. And this time I got Pete Coleman, my brother in crime, the person I started this whole shenanigans with five years ago. And this episode, we're going to neither do a history of alchemy, nor a Bohemian episode, nor a uh, some year anniversary celebration. Rather, we're just going to take a look back and talk about everything. First of all, like who we are. Um, everything we do besides podcasting, which might be boring to some, like this whole show might be boring to some and we really don't care. So this is, this shows for us and for all of our, (laughs) our true fans that, you know, just want to like, just hear more. So probably, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's what, that's what this is. Yeah, so welcome to the show, Pete. It's uh, yeah, and we got video here. I don't know what that's gonna turn into or, or work, but we also got the well, podcast. We might turn off.
2: We might turn off people from our images because we have faces for radio.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just I'm not sure this is actually a help. good idea, but so for all of those watching or listening, this is. If you're watching this on YouTube, then hey, there's a podcast with like. Dozens more episodes at least like right now there's like three episodes on the YouTube channel and like ten on the podcast so it's kind of a the podcast is kind of the the greatest hits across secret cabinet Africa alchemy the whole nine yards and then you know moving forward because it's not clear yet this is only like episode eight and this feed's only been alive for a week so uh, this is kind of a new concept even though we've been doing this for years in fact I knew. so that being said let me let me kind of uh as still part of the introduction, just say Pete and I have been podcasting for five and a half years. There are interviews elsewhere or just us talking about like we do a, we do a year in review where we kind of go over like how we started and all that. And and we will talk about that today. Just just for yeah. those that are just like stepping us stepping in to episode eight and don't know that we have another 430 or f- now it's more like 440 episodes out there on podcastnick.com we do. In fact, we've been doing this for 5 years. So, that being said, uh, we're both tech writers. So, that's something I kind of wanted to actually talk in the about. The IT industry, tonight. right? Exactly. But um, people might have heard my voice a lot on this feed, on this on the and on the YouTube channel. So, there is also a Bohemian YouTube channel that that Bohemian YouTube channel I keep mentioning, this is that Pete. So, that's this is <laughs> That's, that's, that's what's that going on here. Yeah. Sim. So if you go yeah. to the Podcastnik YouTube channel, it'll say featured channels. In fact, the playlists are just like all combined Podcastnik and Bohemican uh, videos. So if you go, so even if, if you just go to the po- Podcastnik YouTube channel, you'll see all the bo- Bohemican videos. And when you update one to Bohemican, I update those playlists, so they're always all in one place, and they're always all in Podcastnik.com. But yeah. anyways. so those are well done. Videos probably they take a lot more time than what I've put up on my show so far, and we've both noticed that editing videos just takes for freaking ever. It takes so,
2: forever to do them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So, in in any case, so that's kind of that's also kind of part of your day job now. And I think first of all, because you know, I'm gonna get comfy. I'm I, I plan on being here for a while. But let's kind of talk. Let's kind of back up and talk about like who is Pete Coleman, anyways. You live in Prague people might have figured that out Pete Coleman Esquire and you're a tech writer people might You can't
2: see it out the window, but yeah, if you've heard the show before yeah, you know that I, I live in Prague uh, uh, I've been here almost seven years uh, next month, which is crazy
0: yeah, uh, is. really hard
2: to believe better part of a, a decade um, raising two kids and um, You know to kind of live in the expat life in a lot of ways, but more, more so just kind of like the dad life I mean, I'm, I'm going to work and you know taking my son to baseball practices and yes, baseball in Czech Republic you know there's one of our shows on Bohemian. Yeah. you can see yeah. my son play yeah one of the videos um, yeah. we had a, yeah we had a chance to meet Cal Ripken Jr. the hall of famer from the Baltimore Orioles he came here just uh last month and uh um my childhood hero and I got to meet him and uh what? here in Prague what so what was he doing in Prague uh, was that it's, part it's, of a promotional yeah, it was thing part of a baseball clinic yeah it was it was an international uh you know outreach to see how baseball is kind of uh you know taking its hold in, in Europe you know um, as a side note, uh, Czech Republic's done a, a pretty good job as far as across the, the Republic, uh, getting the game going and, and, and with the younger kids and, and, uh, semi-adult league, um, the, the Netherlands are do a great job with it. So you'll see this in the world baseball classic, I think every four years or so that there's, uh, you know, a couple, a handful of uh, European teams that, that can uh, play with the rest of the world.
1: Cause you mentioned, okay, so you just kind of, you flew over, that he was there to talk to your kids, or, or, cause let's, let's, let's kind of take a step back. So you got, you have a son in yeah, a baseball okay. team in, in the Czech Republic. Um, so those, those people that don't know you at all, you have kids, they're, they speak Czech, they're like bilingual. Yep. Yeah. So I just want to like, just to point that out. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a
2: 19-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, and Nathaniel's been on the show numerous times. Leticia's been on a couple times as well. So it's a family event at times, which, as you can imagine, a teenager absolutely loves being on their dad's podcast. Uh, (laughs) um, Not really. But I I think that um, I do like to incorporate them because, uh, you know, they're part of my biggest part of my world. But my son, uh, I wanted him to do something American and um, to hold on to our roots here as now kind of de facto Europeans it sounds strange to say that but it's it's seven years for a kid that's 12 that's you know yeah you know this because you you grew up in in Munich right so you know kind of what it's like to kind of share two different sort of yeah it was
1: important to my dad also that we had that we heard English even if it was like like British friends but especially like if we had Canadian or American friends like we'd go over at their house and you know us playing with their kids kind of thing
2: yeah Right. So, so you know, um, having him in a, his baseball league is great. We have about um, seven teams here in Prague, about fourteen across the republic. Uh, it's taken off. The fields are getting better. Um, every, has, every it's just basically the same little league as you would have in the United States, except we speak Czech and a what little it, bit of broken English. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, but but that's kind of yeah. a nice little slice of home. I mean, that's kind of that it is, is kind of interesting. And uh, your son's really taken. Taken up baseball, which is neat. He, you know, he's not like forced to go. It's kind of like I think I, every extracurricular activity when I was a kid, I was just like I like I took swimming lessons or whatever. I never played baseball. Maybe I would have liked that. In, like I hated soccer, and that was a thing in Germany. Yeah. Anyways, so what? Yeah, what I, else? What other slices of expat yeah, well, life do you enjoy there? What? Let me flip that question. What? What do you miss in Prague? Like what? What's noticeably okay. just like lacking besides Uber Eats? Oh, they, we're not getting paid for that. I'm, I'm cutting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut
2: that one out. Um, I, I think I missed the ocean. I missed the things that come with the ocean or the Chesapeake Bay. Um, you know, we're a landlocked country here, and and um, so those those things you kind of you you have a want for. Um, but uh, I, you know, I would say that there's there's so much things here that have Western influence, or of course from from the United States that. Uh, um, you, you don't get too, too homesick. So, I mean, you know, if you want to go to an IMAX movie theater and watch an American movie that's just out a day before, a day after the U.S. Yeah. release, you can do that. In English. Um, no, Donald, normally they have Czech subtitles. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, you've got, uh, you know, other fast food sort of places if you feel a craving for American junk food. Um, there is a place, and you know this very well, That the, the uh, there's a little shop downtown that that uh, is British-owned but has – uh, all the junk food and candy from the United States and England that you can get your little grubby hands on. Yeah. However, it costs like 3 times as much. So yeah. if you want that box of lucky charms because you oh, can't so find lucky charms here, sometimes um, you're he just like
1: I'm paying pay. $15, I don't care. Oh my god, I need a pop tart. Like you don't even know. <laughs> $7. I'm here you go. Yep. You know, oh, it's crazy. So, so life,
2: life is this is a much smaller world and I think that um you know you can still hold on to a lot of things from your culture back in the states and Um, but you know, the whole point about being here is to kind of somewhat acclimate to your surroundings. And I think the podcast, the Bohemian podcast and the history of alchemy show that we first started five plus years ago, um, were kind of our ways of saying, okay, we're, we're invested in being here and we like, we like it here.
1: Yeah. Kind of giving, giving back to like, here's what, here's what we feel as, you know, tourists, even if we're there for, like I was there for 10 years, it's still kind of like, okay, as an outsider or a foreigner, here's what, what we're kind of learning. Let's, let's pass that on. Yeah, uh, so you've been there seven years. Was that was that the first time you lived overseas?
2: Yes, it was the first time. I visited Prague many times. So, um, so where
1: where well yeah. hold on where, where are you from originally in the in the states?
2: Well, um, all about I think I would call home actually the Washington D.C. metro area uh, specifically. If you're familiar with that, that would be Northern Virginia. So I'm a Nova guy. Um, I was born in Hawaii in Honolulu at a triple army hospital. My dad was in the army at the time. Okay. Um, and I got gypped because I don't even remember it. We left as a baby. So (laughs) I know, (laughs) I I mean, I know the answer to
1: these questions. Otherwise like, have you been back? But
2: (laughs) no, no, but one day my, my plan is full circle. When I, when I take the big dirt nap, I think I want to be, uh, you know, shipped on over, uh, in whatever condition to uh, to to the islands, so that I can say started and finished in the in the Hawaiian sphere because um, <laughs> I haven't ever been back. Uh, but I, I grew up in the D.C. area. Um, I went to college in West Virginia at Marshall University, very proud Thundering Herd alumnus, and uh, also went to Michigan State University. I'm a very proud green and white guy. So um, uh, once I finished college, um, I went down to uh, Atlanta for 13 years, and I worked. Uh, at a hospital for rehabilitation called Shepherd Center Hospital. Um, it became a family and a job all at once. And, and also a vehicle for me to uh, try out a sport that took me to uh, the brink of the Paralympics. So, you know, that was uh, kind of advantageous.
1: So when you say Paralympics, again, people might not have any idea who you are. So uh, Pete is isn't a wheelchair. If you've heard me talk long enough and be like, oh, yeah, I got a, you know, I got a buddy in a wheelchair and blah, 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 blah. And we do this and this. That's That's Pete. So yeah, Pete was on the Paralympics team. Um, I like. I want to get to that. Alternate. I also want to
2: let's make sure that I'm an was, I was an alternate for both. Oh okay, but, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, because right. I want to talk yeah. about that at, at one point. But but before I do that, I w- I still want to talk about so Atlanta. Have you been back to West Virginia recent? Like to have you been back to Huntington in the last ten or so years? No. No, I haven't. Um,
2: Huntington is and always will be uh, a very special place in my heart. Unfortunately, um, if you've seen on Netflix uh, that show, that documentary, mini documentary called "Heroines," which follow three different women um, trying to deal with the um, uh, the yeah. the drug epidemic. Yeah, it's 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 painful. Um, uh, these women are great. One one See? is a. Uh, um, was, know, was that the noticeable girl,
1: when you were—what what years were you there in, in Huntington? I mean, kind of. We're going to have to give away your age a little bit at some point anyways, but, you know, like— uh, I, would, I would say that I, I went to
2: uh, school there from 1991 to uh, okay. 1996. So totally and, different, totally yeah, uh,
1: different uh, well, West Virginia as a whole, like those those counties yeah. around there. I also—let me, let me jump in and say really quick— I did a show in German only uh, uh, called Americana for euch, which I think I... I There's one episode on the podcast where I brought in an Americana topic, maybe. I don't know if I did that yet, uh, but will be shortly. Um, uh, and I did some really hard-hitting topics that were really hard to research and stuff, like slavery, which, um, you know, we could... I, I, a lot of these I want to translate to English, but when I researched heroin, I did one on the heroin epidemic and... Um, you know, just from all those people dying in 2016 and just like all this, like fentanyl, like these, this drug that's even worse, like really killing all these uh, heroin addicts. And when I, when I did my research, it just, it automatically Google funneled me towards West Virginia because that is actually the epicenter of the, of the nation's epidemic. There's, I mean, some of the like cases I was reading about were just mind boggling and, yeah, um, one thing to one thing to note was like it was kind of you know, like it really it was is sad... you and me as far as the demographic it was just like middle class white people not too poor not too mm-hmm. rich uh just kind of like you know doing it out of boredom on the one hand but on the other hand it's like it's such an epidemic it really is like when we say the word epidemic it's like like the cdc defines this as like when your brother's on heroin and your dad and mom and maybe even like preacher and people at church are addicts like there's no really there's no getting off it you know the people you would go to are it's just yeah people od'ing and people using in public so that if they od they'll get found kind of like so you at a children's it's, baseball games it, it,
2: it, it is you know, it is surreal and it's very sad and I'll I'll tell you a couple of things that that le- lend to this.
1: You've been you've been um, kind of getting some news yeah. like over the last decades. You, yeah, I yeah. still have you
2: know people that you know I care about still in Huntington and, yeah. uh, um, you know, Marshall University is the town of Huntington. Um, it's it's a it's a town that was really based on uh, making railway cars and steel and and coal exports down the Ohio yeah. River. Um, it's not a very wealthy area. Um, Uh, education level is somewhat low. There's, there's a lot of, you know, unemployment at this point, all those things kind of add into this, but also think about the, it's a crossroads between Florida, Chicago and Detroit and, and, uh, the, the mid American areas of, of Cincinnati. You go right through, you can get right through, um, right through uh, Huntington and just kind of go through that. So you have people that are carting all this stuff. And it's always been this. It's been this way for a long time. All these illegal things of of, for drug addicts through there. And from that point, it really is, uh, you know, an epidemic. And I think it's just uh, it's caught on to a lot of people. And you're right. You you mentioned preachers. You mentioned uh, it it just goes across the board.
1: uh, I think I started my episode with oh, no, my episode started with parents ODing on a child's baseball game because I read an article where that was that was what was happening. And that was just that stuck in my mind. So I wrote that scene out. And then there was also, yeah, a doctor's. Yeah, doc- there was like, so a lot of doctors won't answer on questionnaires about illegal drugs, but there's kind of an inference because it's illegal and because they could lose their, their pre- even if, if it's anonymous, there's just this ingrained, like, I'm going to lie about this. I don't have a problem. You know, I, I'm i a doctor. I medicate, you know, like there's some, there's a, no- a whole nother issue there. But there's a lot of but doctors yeah. with like uh, alcohol problems. Lawyers are another one. It's just like, wow, there's a lot of, Lawyer's on smack like that.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's it's a hidden disease for a lot of people. And I would think that um, starting maybe people with
1: prescription the, drugs and, you yeah, know, and that's a whole it, other conversation. You get a back, you know, you get a back injury,
2: but, you get, you know, herniated disc or something. You get onto this stuff and, yeah, it's a different conversation. But I would like to say this before we close on the gap on West Virginia. Um, the people of West Virginia are amazing. Um, they they kind of get a bad rap across the country, you know, for this, that or the other thing. But I, I think for the most part they are – Good folks, they're very friendly folks, and um, you know they've been through a lot over they, the, over they, the decade.
1: They know how to eat, which counts for something in my book.
2: So yeah, they lead the country in obesity as well in, in Huntington, uh, West Virginia. Oh, I um, meant that
1: in a good way. Like I mentioned them in my barbecue episode. Well, but yeah, okay, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, uh, they,
2: they, uh, you mix all these things in together with that sense of hopelessness. Um, I really do hope and I pray that that Huntington just comes out of this at some point after this uh, episode fever breaks, hopefully. And they can get back to where they always have been, which is a wonderful little town in a beautiful state.
1: There, there was, there was um, in the article I read, and, and my research. There's always hope for sure. There's always a, you know, there are there is things the government can do. There are programs that do work, and it is, it is, it, it, like the problem is that it's systemic. It's not necessarily um, rehab programs or even education that I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, yeah, we kind of need to fix, you know, if the jobs are never coming back. Uh, then we need to, you know, think outside the box. But but then when you start to like figure out like the insecurities and, and anxieties of the population, uh, they no longer like need pain meds as much. It just kind of goes away when there's other stuff to do. Boredom. It's so cliche and oversimplified in a way. But I remember like yeah. my grandpa used to. You know, I'd be like, Grandpa, I'm bored. He'd be like, What did he say? Like boredom's the first sign of depression or something. Like he was like, <laughs> yeah. it was, like really off the deep end. But now, as a like now, I'm 35, and I'm like, oh, he's totally right in in a very simple simplific. Like, if you're never bored, you definitely don't have time to be depressed. You know, like you're just, like what in train spotting. There was like, of course I've there was the quote. He's like, of course I've got a hit. After all, there's work to do. You know, like if yeah. you don't have time yeah. to be shooting up all the time, you know, and it's just kind of a that, like that is true to a degree. I don't want to oversimplify, and you have to acknowledge that once people are addicted to something, that's a that, can be, that should be considered a disease where you need like medical help or you need help. You need outside help f- for sure. You know, not everybody can just like kick heroin like it's cigarettes or, or you know, cut back on coffee or something. It, 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 you know, that's,
2: um, that's a very good point across the board on a lot yeah. of things, even with alcoholism. Even though yeah. there's uh, there, there's an issue of you, there's personal responsibility to a certain point about getting into this situation. However, at that point, we have to take care of each other because there's no way that you can do this alone. Nice shirt, by the way.
1: <laughs> it, it's an old model, There's, sir, but it checks out. Yeah, that was a Star, That's a Star Wars quote. I hope you got the Star Wars quote. Yeah, man. That's great. Yeah, yeah. no, that, okay. So I, I was kind of curious if, yeah, because that was, that was a, uh, an episode I recently did, probably one that I should translate to English because it, oh, it, definitely. it, it got a strong Absolutely. reaction. Anytime the users, or users, anytime the listeners are kind of just like surprised, like, oh, I didn't know it was like that. Then I'm like, oh, I knew I hit something. Um, yep. The slavery episode when... Like I haven't done this in English yet. So people really might not understand what I'm talking about, but I dramatize the whole thing in the second person. So there's a little bit of creating creative writing where you, the right. listener, everything's happening to you. And I I have, like when I did slavery, it's like there's this slave, gr- like this girl that gets captured from a village in, in Western Africa and then gets taken down the river and to the coast and gets sold. And, you know, so I describe everything from the slave markets to – Coming to the Caribbean and then finally ending up in like South Carolina or something. And right. like Barbados, you know, I, I, I mean, I reason, I'm in a am like, what's she most likely to do? How could she come into America? You know, I tried to go for the most likely scenario, like the most, you know, the biggest averages and stuff. So, um, but, but I, yeah, the, the thing is that, that that episode then on the coast, you see all these like British, uh, French, Spanish, I guess, Portuguese, for sure, you know, these forts. And then they're the ones doing the slave trading. And I remember on Twitter, Germans coming back going like, hey, you know, this was not just an American thing. Don't forget that, you know, they might have made it illegal a little bit late. But this was a European, you know, pan-European thing, uh, the slave trade. And, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I didn't, you know, well, I, I you hit know, something here's,
2: there. Here's – you did. And I, I think I think what really resonates with people, Travis, in these, in these shows, especially when we talk about slavery, is – um, the American experience is not a unique experience when it comes to slavery. Uh, slavery has been around in all, almost every right. uh, every society from the dawn just, of man.
1: I just dropped an episode. Uh, we're talking yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's all <laughs> happening so fast, but like yeah, I I replayed the Zanzibar episode when I went to Zanzibar, and I described the slave market there, and that was the Eastern Africa where it was really meant for the Arab Arab market. Sort of, um, it was you know those those slaves a trickle. You know, maybe point 0.1% went around the Cape of Good Hope and ended up in the Caribbean. There was a there was a there's a certain fraction of Eastern African slaves that ended up in the Caribbean that did happen. But that was actually a whole different market, a whole different—and um, and the level of brutality. So, like, some of the worst things that I've ever seen in person, you know, being in those rooms where the slaves were kept. Um, and, I, and I was a ghost tour guide. I've, I, I've been in torture chambers from the 17th century Europe daily, and that didn't phase me compared to these slave markets in, in Zanzibar. Uh, I mean we're talking yeah like seriously I was in in room you know I used to give tours in rooms where there's like graffiti on the walls where people used to get tortured and stuff uh, in Europe in Prague and that's nothing and compared to like I don't want to so it was listen to it last episode but it was just like really really horrible and it was yeah it was uh whew, yeah definitely more than than us in fact most most Slaves ended up in Brazil and the Caribbean, you know, places like Haiti and Cuba and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, Haiti is a
2: a complete different podcast. I mean, you know, what happened? happened Actually, I want to do an episode on
1: voodoo. I really want to do an episode on voodoo. I want to bring some of the old, uh, yeah, some of the religious topics back from from a a defunct podcast that never took off. Uh, I still got a list of stuff.
2: You know, Travis, I think, you know, another thing that I, especially for American listeners, um, you know. It is divisive, divisive to talk about um, slavery to a certain extent, but I think it's it's something that has to be talked about, and it's yeah. it's part of our American experience as Americans. And the deal is to understand that the slave um, workforce was what really built built the foundation of the United States from the very
1: beginning of the of the colonial days. It was and so a part of the definition of everything happening, uh, even yeah. around our independence and stuff. You can't just yeah to like you whitewash history. So- is just like you're. You'll never understand what happened. You'll never understand. In right. fact, you'll never understand the United States in 2018 if you, if you whitewash history. You, you need to go back and look at what really happened and all that. Yeah. You do and, oh, yeah. and,
2: and, and the complexities as well. I mean, we had to fight a war. We had to fight the yep. civil war to put this to bed. One of my favorite quotes came from Jefferson and I he was and believe it or not at one point, even though we know later on life that, you know, his transgressions with slavery and, and not be able to personally let it go. Well let's say he, uh,
1: he doesn't have the reputation today that he used to have as uh Near well, I think, he, founding I, I, father. I think he has he has the appropriate reputation
2: today, which is in the yeah, sense that well. he's a dynamic and and very uh, hard to grasp person. Yeah. Uh, for various reasons. There's and Jefferson I, and I
1: think... fans out there that can. Oh, it's it's kind of like, I'm... oh, this is, you know what? You know what? I don't want to, like, this is exactly yeah. like, are you still, can you still listen to Bill Cosby's records? This isn't no. like, I'm no, not, this, I this can't. is, this is like, um, <laughs> this was Stephen Colbert yeah. and Jerry Seinfeld or something we're talking about, you know, and, and Stephen Colbert was like, I, I can I can I can no longer. And Seinfeld was like, really? And then a minute later, he was like, Yeah, you're right. You know, I haven't since, but if I would now, you're right. I, I you know, and and it's kind of like, so it depends on what you know about Jefferson. There's kind of like, okay, well, but he was this, and, and then he's he's a he was a slaveholder that did all these things, but but it's like, oh well, he was a he was in his time and he was kind of a victim of his time or whatever it was. And there's other people sure. that can, that look right past that and, and are still just fan out about Jefferson today. Like, like in the history podcast community, you know, there's Jefferson yeah. fans. I, and I, I,
2: th- I think if you're, if you're an educated person and I don't yeah. need to throw on the gauntlet like this, you don't have these knee jerk reactions of saying, well, I can never like this guy because of this or of that. I have a hard if, time. If you were to say that, it, then honestly. You, you might like, well I, I w- close a history book like this.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, so I I talk about Jefferson on my show and Americana for euch, yeah. but I introduce him correctly as the slave owner Jefferson, rather than you know when, the way I learned it in school was like our founding father, you know, it was like this really like but, but he was that too. He yeah. was that too, though. I mean, that's what that what That's
2: what makes him extremely well, I just, interesting.
1: Yeah, I, did, I so if, if our founding fathers were all criminals and crooks, or if if our country was founded by criminals and crooks, then it's just kind of a like, or, you know, not even criminals and crooks, like people with alter- alter- ulterior motives, people with, you know, that were grasping for power, you know, a a tiny minority trying to get rid of the authority of the crown. Because um, I, I think the majority didn't care or the majority were kind of like natural loyalists, like just leave us alone and, you know, and um so I think it's kind of just going back in history and like looking at that and then being like, OK, wait, actually, if we can call the founding fathers into question and, you know, they're not unfallible, unfallible, it's not it's not a religious thing or like a, they're not the yeah. Vatican or popes or anything. Then we can also look at today and, you know, like just kind of look at the presidency of, of the office or the Supreme Court or the Constitution and be like, OK, what? you know well, let's look at it in but, realistic like I mean, and i don't want to really open safe. cans of worms here uh or i don't sure. I don't even want to go down politics but i just thought like it's 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 interesting um in fact i was kind of interrupting what? you when i said like oh i you know Sometimes, like, maybe I can't look past some of the things. And then I brought up Bill Cosby. And in my mind, I'm kind of one of those people that I really can't see them in any other light. I see them in a negative light first and then say, oh, well, I'm an American. And in my personal life, in my personal life, I've had many personal examples where I've been very grateful for having an American passport. So that's a good thing. Uh, And then I look back and I'm, like, grateful at, you know, Franklin and Jefferson and all those guys for, for, you know, what they did. But it's also like, yeah, I don't. Oh my goodness, I can't whitewash well, you know, that. Let, at let
2: all. let me let me let me say let me say this though, it's about perspective, and we all have different yeah. perspectives and life issues that we bring into it, and our education varies. Uh, we, I constantly want to learn more every time I, I see a documentary, or open a book, or listen to a podcast. It really is educational. That being said, I just got back from a trip for our, one of our podcasts for past access, our disability travel show through history. Right.
1: Let me let me introduce that really quick. So okay, hold up. Let me. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. I don't, I don't want to move too quick. That's going to be like a central part of the of the episode. Maybe maybe let's talk about that now. Yeah, maybe let's start with that. So I, I, I wanted to because uh, I wanted to talk about your time in Atlanta and working in a hospital and on the fencing team. But actually, this is maybe let's go backwards. So okay. one of the things I am most excited about in life right now period that's the way to that's the way to set that up is a future show called past access my pitch the way i kind of explain it is is sort of a travel channel type of like like old school, like back when Travel Channel used to be good and actually tell you about <laughs> traveling and not like Duck Dynasty or whatever. I don't even know who I don't want to pick on. I think it's a history Channel, Channel, but
2: yeah, but you're you're right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, like it's all over the place.
1: The thing, yeah, it's a lot of reality reality TV these days. But yeah, like, what if you go to a city? Like, I was a tour guide, a ghost tour guide, which I think is the best kind of. So I gave a, as, as historically accurate as I could. I would tell things what everything I knew, and if I knew a, a story to be fake, I'd be like, well, this here's a legend from the 18th century or whatever. You know, like I would try to cite my sources in a way. But I love if you're traveling and you do have the good beer and you do have the good... We talk about on Bohemican all the time, we talk about like what they eat, what the the culture, the festivals, the holidays, um, way more than just history. And that's what a good history tour does, a good guided tour. Um, And Pete's doing that, you know, just just to kind of pitch it like Paris, Stockholm. um, We have helpers that went to like Morocco and and what Tunisia I don't, you know Tunisia? W- without yeah. spoiling too much but and then of course you live in Prague so just just uh traveling around but of course remember Pete's in a wheelchair and if you listen to the Bohemian or me talk, a lot of this might have been in German interviews, but I, I, like I've like i told stories a hundred times of like us going to battle reenactments. You know, you getting stuck in the mud or like, you know, like just like us trying to see how far we get and then like, OK, and then I'll take your camera and go the rest of the way and, you know, bring you footage back or whatever. And, right. you know, we just have dozens of stories like this and um, and you have hundreds of stories more millions of stories more where i wasn't there you know um but so also just like then the fencing team and all that comes in to where like you have traveled a lot and you have kind of been through all of this and uh one way to pitch the show is like oh it's a you know how do you travel if you're you're like on crutches or if you're in a chair or you know how do you navigate the airport We're, Who do you call for a, you know, accessible hotel? You know, what do you check? How do you get the, you know, are the buses in Amsterdam wheelchair accessible? You know, there's all these little questions that, like, if someone's just done it, you just know, like, oh, he's done it and he's back at his, in his living room, you know, he's uploaded this video, which means he survived. So that means I can do it too. (laughs) I think of this even more broader the reason i'm so excited about this is that only like five or ten of america ten percent of americans have a passport like a really tiny minority of americans have a passport so i don't see this as um just being like oh i'm gonna you know if i'm if i'm in a chair how do i get around or what can i do the answer is anything that anybody else can do just about like 80 percent of stuff as far as like okay there's that one medieval tower that you're not going to climb those stairs you know but um the answer is a lot. You can go see a lot. And I think even just your average American from West Virginia is afraid of Charles de Gaulle Airport. It has nothing to do with... Completely being understand wheelchair. that. And yeah. so I kind of feel like our audience will be so much broader. And I just think it's kind of... I mean, this, is, this idea... This is something that I want to watch. Like, this is something that I would watch. And I'm just really, really, really excited about um, whether I've liked it or not. Just me talking about our shenanigans in German <laughs> in in... Um, on interviews and stuff, and just kind of like, "Oh, you know Pete and the, you know Pete and I, you know just like all these stories i 've kind of gotten into that community in german where suddenly i'm my Twitter feed is full of like these um like, accessibility apps, like, where, you know, people put in what's good and what's not good, kind of, like, rate stuff and give feedback, kind of like a right. Yelp, but for, like, accessibility. And you can, you know, this hotel or this restaurant and, you know, like, watch out, there's a ramp here and blah, blah, blah. And, like, all these little things that, I'm, you know, I'm just, like, seeing this in German now, which is just kind of neat. So you just got back from Paris. Tell us, so yeah. now let's, let's dive into Four past a little bit. And I know yeah. you, this is, how many cities do you think... You've kind of already looked at, have footage for, you know, how far and, along and, and are and you sort of
2: video footage and audio footage, quite quite a lot of audio footage, actually yeah. uh, or recordings rather uh, and video footage. We started really kind of putting that forth on this particular trip to, to Paris. That was the focus um, on Paris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do more more of that. Um, but I would say uh, about um, seven to eight cities here in Europe. It would be would be appropriate that I've done for the past three or four years religiously of of having interviews and talking to museum docents and 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 uh, going to battlefields and talking to tour guides and t- taxi drivers for crying out loud, which are my favorite interviews. Um, you know, so, you know, they're I, like taxi I, yeah. cab confessions. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, but, you know, Paris was was amazing. It was expensive as sin. Um, and I still try to cut corners by not taking too many taxis and just pushing it. Um. Yeah. Uh, it's a very busy, traffic-laden city, and so what would cost you seven euros to go across town could cost you twenty. And if you yeah. do that a couple times, you're out of money. So yeah. I had to kind of play it close to the vest. So there are times I pushed, you know, nine, you know, nine maybe ten kilometers around to get back to the hotel.
1: That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I hurt when I was Those in Paris. Days. Paris yeah. is probably yeah. bigger than people might realize. Like, you jump on a metro to go to Versailles, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I do believe the metros are accessible and stuff. It's, you know... They're not. They're, no? They're not okay. Because no, Prague is, like, there's, some...
2: There's two yeah. stops that are accessible, so you skip okay. those. They are buses that have um, uh, disabled entrances. however to they come up there's from...
1: tours and stuff that go out. Yes. But, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's the tours for sure, but um, you have to be kind of on your own, and, and the uh, the Olympics in 2024... Paris wants to hold them there. They they will hold them there, and the Paralympics, of course, will be right after the Olympics, and they're making a big push. It's almost it's 2018. By 2024, they want to have so much more done for accessibility in Paris, so that it's just a much better experience for the Paralympians. And we'll see if they can make that happen. Um, on this video, I got to see, I got to meet up with an old uh, competitor of mine from the French national um, wheelchair fencing team. I hadn't seen in 10 years, and we had lunch at the Army Museum.
0: That's uh, where cool. they, yeah. they
2: keep Napoleon's body, which was really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so we had, you know, just talk about, you know, the uh, Paralympic movement, which is kind of nice. That'll be on the show. So, but, you know,
1: we, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah so, go ahead. Uh, so yeah. Talk about, I just don't want to forget that. I also want to then like back up and talk about your fencing days for sure. Okay, yeah. We'll, but we'll but let, yeah, that. keep it, keep it travel. So yeah. yeah. Paris, uh, did you, did you shoot some footage in Stockholm or was that more for I, audio I, podcast? Was,
2: I think most of those were mostly audio. There okay. was some video footage,
1: which, which we could still make videos out of it. You know, absolutely. They'll maybe a little shorter, but it, yeah. you keep in mind that
2: past access will be two things. They'll be on a YouTube channel, and they'll also be on the audio podcast. Yeah. So you get both, um, and you can take the audio podcast wherever you want to go. That's going to be the best part. Put your know, earbuds in, and and follow me along the way.
1: I yeah, I, I've been watching more YouTubers recently, and even like people streaming and stuff, and you know podcasters on YouTube streaming and it's kinda neat to just like see them, even if they're just like in a studio like what we're doing right now. Um but I think it's kinda neat in a way. And then I on the other hand, let's be honest, editing video and editing audio is just two different different. things. There's a whole nother layer of like, okay, let me you know, oh I'm picking my nose right now. I better put an image over that. You know, it's just like (laughs) there's a whole nother thing to, to to think about and worry about. But Well, you know, Um,
2: I I would say we kind of double back a little bit. We were talking about the American Revolution and our revolutionaries and our founding fathers. Paris is like a second United States when it comes to this. I mean, remember, Paris, you know, France and the United States, the reason why a lot of parallels is because of France. And if you don't give them the proper credit, you know, you just made our experiment get off the ground. That being said, it cost them a fortune, and some say that money and treasure spent to help the Americans get off their feet helped expediate their own revolution and take down the people that signed those papers. So um, this That's show interesting. has a lot to do.
1: That's interesting. Has,
2: yeah, the show has a lot to do. I, I followed a lot of revolutionary places. I went to places where they were they guillotined people at uh, the uh, Place de la Concorde, mm-hmm. uh, which is outside the, uh, uh, the Tuileries. And, um, boy, that rings we, a bell. Like,
1: if you listen to Mike Duncan's revolutions, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, the guillotine so it, they, that gets t- taken out a lot." It is a lot of And
2: um, I got to see the a guillotine blade from the Revolution in the oh, police right. museum. Yeah. Now nobody knows where the police museum is, but there's a police museum. That's
1: interesting. Yeah. And it's
2: there. And and so yeah. um, there are some neat things that that we talk about in the podcast. But one thing that really kind of really sunk home to me was the idea that our American experiment survived and flourished. Now, we had the Whiskey Rebellion right after the, you know, it it kind of stubbed our toe out out the door. And there was a couple, you know, issues with Aaron Burr, of course, if you remember that, um, you know, trying to secede uh, and take his own little part of Louisiana and and the South with with him. Um, But other than that, we didn't have a Robespierre. We didn't have a Reign of Terror. We didn't have people that were we're chopping any uh, haphazardly anybody's heads off. Yeah, they did in France. Their their revolution yeah. ate upon itself. It became a fascist state.
1: You know that. Yeah, that's kind of the difference. There there, there are examples in history where like Washington or uh, there was a military revolution in Costa Rica famous. You know, when I talk in German, they're like Costa Rica doesn't have a military. And, you know, that's why their education is so phenomenal and their healthcare and everything. Um it's because there was a military dictator. He had a, a coup d'etat, took control, and then say, okay, and I want free elections. And by the way, I'm not even running. You know, and it was kind of a Washington thing. Like, he's where he kind of did his two terms. And it's kind of a luck because Washington could have been a Lenin. He, you know, he could have been a megalomania. He could have, you know, sure. and, and he was he not? I mean, he, he also he got rich off the whole ordeal. He never took a salary, but boy, did he booze it up, spent, you know, millions of dollars in today's money on alcohol alone. And and this is just kind of this like, um, yeah, but but just like he gave up this political might at the right. And it was kind of for idealistic reasons, maybe. And Costa Rica is definitely like for these like higher than yourself reasons. Or you have a a guy that's just like uh, Hugo Chavez. Great example sure. or a Kim Jong il this is like nope, this is you know, I'm holding on to this well, when the revolution I, I, co- comes. We, we they're are gonna very take lucky. power from my cold dead hands. So yeah, you know, and it's we like, are very lucky that we had guys like Washington and Lincoln.
2: And yeah. I know that it seems very cliche to say that because everyone's like, of course, but think about that. The biggest gift that Washington gave us was to give up power. There's I, yeah? a saying in, in Mount Vernon, which is another show that I'm doing about the Washington DC area, um that I've been doing for two years that will be on past access. And where I take you on a tour of Mount Vernon, George Washington's house. Now, what's really interesting, inside that museum, there's a very stout statement that the King of England said, George Washington would be sank or I'm paraphrasing, godlike, if he were to give up the mantle of power. No one else has ever done that.
1: And yeah. he did. Yeah.
2: He did. And so that gave us... Uh, that sense of that uh, term limits were important, even though we didn't have a rule in that until after 1945, <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: with uh, but, you know, yeah. after FDR. Until someone but, like broke the unofficial
2: rule. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but that's important stuff to know that we were just lucky. I mean, we had men that didn't like each other. Some did. Some didn't. Um, ideologically all over the spectrum. And somehow they came together and put this in motion and did it in a way with thought more so than with guns. And, uh, of course there was military to get it going, but you had to have that thought. Now the Parisians and the French, they had the thought too, but there is, as you'll find in this documentary that we're doing, it ate upon itself. And, and then the reward to that was a dictator in the sense of Napoleon, who, by the way, is a very hard man to hold close to your chest. We talked about Jefferson, right? We talk, you know, we talk about, um, Andrew Jackson, you know, oh my gosh. You know, some people say he was the antichrist, but he also was an amazing guy. So, you can't hold him close to your chest either. You're like, "Whoa, Jackson." You know? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: talk to a Native I, American about Jackson, okay? Right. You'll, you'll get you'll yeah. get a an earful. Uh, and rightfully and rightfully so, but he also was, you know, a man of of, you know, an amazing prowess. Um with Napoleon, you have to say the same thing, but Napoleon gets a free pass. He gets a free pass in history, and I never quite understood that. There was of the, course, ag-
1: I, so there was the agora yeah. Podcast where like four of us debated Washington versus Napoleon. I had no choice; I had to be in the Napoleon camp because I, re- I represented Europeans. Uh, there was just like too many Americans on the call, and there was like, "Oh, Travis is German, Czech, whatever," and uh, and and so my, you know, so I'll, I'll tell you what I said. I rested my rest of my argument argument on. Um, he liberated the Jews across the Germanic, you know, the Holy. Re- he dissolved the Holy Roman Empire and liberated the Jews. And in fact, the Nuremberg Trials, uh, Nuremberg Laws, the Nazi laws against the Jews were actually just repealing the Napoleonic reforms. That's all they had to do. Uh, it wasn't actually like. Restrict laws on Jews saying you can't do this and that. It was like that was already in place before Napoleon came in and said, guys, this is nonsense. You know, Jews are humans too. And just like put the foot down. And so, okay. Now, now. Wait, but wait, we're kinda of getting too far off track here. Because we could we could go off onto all kinds of historical tangents and we have a tendency and to th- do that. Talking about Washington <laughs> could just kind of makes me more angrier about Trump. And just like, why doesn't he get it? Like all the ideas ideals you could have like I'm more of a realist. I don't see things idealistically necessarily, even with Washington, but but I, I, like compared to the current president, I'm just like, why doesn't he get it? That there is something sacrosanct about the presidency. About the office itself, that is only in our heads. If we, you know, the word chancellor had esteem and respect before Hitler pooped on it, you know, You're right? I mean, it did. <laughs> and Angela Merkel is still holds the title chancellor and is like, I consider her the leader of the free world. She's not perfect, but, you know, so somebody has to take up the mantle and it's not Trump. So it's just kind of like, okay, but that, but we don't need to go down that road. So yeah, because that just kind of makes me mad. Like, why doesn't he get us history even to the way we learned it in school you know where everything is kind of whitewashed um but no let's go back to let's go back to past access and um so you you did have some experience traveling the world uh from like beijing to madrid to london to as a younger man um with a group of people i assume uh, how, how, you know, let's talk about the fencing, your Sorry. fencing days and your, your Paralympic, um, you know, kind of backup. So first of all, explain that to me exactly. Um, what do you mean you were like, would you say the backup team for the Paralympic team or something? Well,
2: you know, I, I, guess the story, the story in short was that, uh, um, I had, I was a, the captain of the Atlanta team of about five or six, well, actually about 12 people at the highlight. Um, in the in the early two thousands, is that and, like the
1: local uh, Atlantic yeah, League kind the, of the, team? Well,
2: no, the or, Atlanta, Atlanta team from from. Uh, the Atl- the I, mean, I mean, Atlanta. Yeah, as in like. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. And we and had several. You, so wait, sorry. Like, yeah. so then you would play other cities in the region just like a normal
2: no we would fence each other that was a that was the hard part our teammates on our team were also our competitors to be to get these spots at national championships okay so for, for in other words we'd face each other in all these other tournaments and cups and then and uh, then
1: okay yeah there might be a championship tournament somewhere but really exactly you're at the olympic level before too yeah, long and, yeah, and yeah,
2: okay. as as you're traveling uh internationally especially europe uh that's where all the points were you had to travel to europe three or four times a year. And, um, and, uh, that was an expensive sort of deal. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, you made it happen because it once a lifetime experience, I did this for eight years. Um, I made two world championship teams, one in Budapest in 2002 and one in 2006 in Torino, Italy. And I was first alternate for the Sydney Olympic games. Um, and, uh, first I was alternate. First
1: al- so just to, so if something happened to the guy going to the Paralympics at Sydney, yeah. Coleman steps in.
2: That's right, and so yeah. uh, you know some of the coolest things that I got to do was I got I got to be invited to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, right before yeah. the debarkation, uh, when everybody went to Australia, and you're treated like a king. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. Um, you know, you had people that what you're signing autographs. Uh, um you had uh you could be fed this is the thing it was it's so funny people think well what was it like to go to the olympic training center was it a great workout so i'm like yeah you're exhausted because you're you're dehydrated from being in the high altitude um uh and it's a good training thing for getting your team together however um it's the food um the olympic yeah. training center will make you anything you want any if it's not on the menu the show, you say listen man I'm dying for a grilled cheese sandwich, but grilled cheese sandwich with this type of cheese. All right, sir, we'll be right with you, and you treated cool. like a king. That's I mean, cool. So yeah. those things were great, and you know, I got to to um, which one of the coolest memories I had was, um, you know, what a pentathlete is.
1: So I don't know which. It's like they. It's like it's a five. Yeah, I don't know yeah. which five they're playing. Not, so it's, I don't, speaking of Napoleon,
2: it's Napoleonic viewpoint. So okay. I, if I'm not mistaken, there's swimming involved, horse racing,
1: okay, fencing. Because okay. I know triathlon, oh, I know running. biathlon and all those. Yeah, yeah okay, there's yeah. something else I'm missing. Football. It's to one
2: hit, one yeah. touch. That's all they do. Yeah. But they have to do it. So they have one really good move. Now, if you're a fencer, you need to have a bunch of different good moves because that's what you're saying. But we got them, sit them in a wheelchair, and they were so appreciative of saying, wow, well, I didn't know you could do this with a Sabre or an Epé. You know, whoa, what? And and because they only work on one move. Um, So it was really cool to to fence an Olympian as a Paralympian. Um, And, uh, you know, there's so many great memories. But the travel aspect is what kind of got me um, the confidence level to say, I can do this. Now, believe me, it's different when you're traveling with a group of people than driving traveling by yourself with a disability. It takes a little bit more umph to do it. Um, but once you get it down, you're kind of
1: prepared to do anything. Yeah.
2: I, and yeah, um, I, I was ready for Paris.
1: I want to make that point <laughs> that I like in my mind, I was like, why? Yeah. But like, cause I thought about past I've been thinking about past access all year and kind of just like, yeah, you know, but in, and so in Pete's mind, he traveled with others and a group that were kind of dealing with the same issues that you dealt with. If you went to the Charles de Gaulle bathroom, you all suffered together. Kind of they help each other out and kind of you know. Um, yeah. But that, but then you kind of then you've done it and you are like, oh, okay, I got this. Even if it's you know, like I know the pitfalls and you did it by yourself several times now, and that's kind of why. That's why I think it's so cool that you can that someone like you does pass access that you just that you can say, okay, I've like I've done all these experiences and now. If I just tell you about like these ten pitfalls, there's no sure. reason why you don't go see every want... single castle ever made, or you know the the World War One trenches in northern mm-hmm. France, and which 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 we did last week, you know, yeah, um, like yeah, I'll I saw some photos
2: Travis, trickling through on Facebook. More like it's more like a amazing. Travel Channel sort of thing of showing you around. But Travis, you're you're right. The show is is about disabled travel. However, um, we would be remiss not to mention that the main focus of this is historical based.
0: So yeah. oh yeah.
2: Um, you're walking through things that I like to do when I see, go to places to see things about history, about art, about culture. You,
1: you and I have both given tours in Prague, where it's just like someone yeah. comes by and it's like, with, <laughs> if you know the Pete and Trav kind of brand of, it's like, yeah, you're not getting around the history. It's like, yeah. The hotel I stayed in was built for communist dignitaries in the 1960s. I mean, it's like, you're like, dude, that's not even really history. It's just a concrete. It's like, <gasps> yeah. you know, like, yeah, you're going to get the, you know, you're I chose my bank account because, you know, I live in Silicon Valley <laughs> and I chose my bank account based on Silicon Valley history. Like, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, well, to me, know, that's and, super obvious. But yeah, to the to the right. viewers, listeners out there, like, yeah, you're going to get Every place Pete walks by, it's going to be like, here's, you know, here's what I ate, but also, you know, I'm not here for the food or drink. It's like, yeah, here's the history. Oh, There's so around.
2: many cool things. And, and yeah. I did 98% of the things I wanted to do on this trip in basically three and a half days, which was really hard That's, to do. Yeah. However, there were some things I didn't get a chance to do. But one thing that does stick in my mind that I'm glad I took a full day to do was that World War One tour that I took to the to the Somme. and. Yeah. Um, this is one thing that they'll tell you when you try to book these tours, you'll say, Oh, by by the way, I'm in a wheelchair. Oh, sir, you can't do this. This is not a tour for you. You know, you could be walking in fields and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Put me on the tour. I'll do what I can. If I don't, if I don't leave the parking
1: lot, I don't leave the parking lot.
2: There you go. But you kind of have to put your foot down. Yeah. I wind up doing about 70 to 80% of what everybody else does. And, um, now keep in mind (laughs) when I went last week. The weather was pretty decent. Two days after I left, there was these torrential downpours in northern France, and everything was underwater. It would have been a, a bad experience. <laughs> but I was able to sit, and there's this place called Newfoundland Newfoundland Park yeah, in France. It's a song, okay? And it's because there were 2,000 Newfoundlands from, Can- uh, from Canada, all right, Newfoundlanders. Yeah. And Newfies. these Newfies— yeah basically were decimated. I mean, there were maybe out of 2000, I think maybe 100 or 200 survived. I got to stand through their trenches, covered in grass, these giant sinkholes where craters were covered in grass 100 years ago. And I got to wheel in the middle between the German lines and the Canadians. And the Scots. You were like Wonder Woman. And I was sitting in the middle of No Man's Land. No Man's Land, the, yeah. yeah I, well, like, I don't want to say Wonder Woman.
1: <laughs> uh, that's the bravest thing. Oh, you're you're like, ah, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> like, well, my my wife has a life-sized, you know, we're like from that scene where she like breaks out into No Man's Land. She has a li- life size. this is Silicon Valley. There's some nerd nerds here. But, you know. Yeah. In her window, it looks like Wonder Woman, Woman's like just bursting into the room, like into no. I'm like, it's like Wonder Woman. You're like, oh, you're killing me. Okay, you mean like me. no, but-
2: <laughs> could, could you say Alvin York or Sergeant York or something? Yeah, so, right? yeah
1: like who was that Scotsman bagpiping? You know that guy. Say that guy. Like not. Oh, oh you're killing gosh.
2: me. Yeah. But, but it, it was so cool to, to – I say cool. It was surreal to sit in the middle of a place that was a moonscape and was a death zone. And I'm sitting there 100 years ago, yeah. almost to the day. And, um, yeah, it really is really important for me to see this stuff. And um, uh, five uh, museums, uh, one was just brand new, built by the Australians by with Australian tax dollars. Um, yeah. the, uh, the ANZAC um, uh, group of people were there and – I travel with a couple of Australians, kind of following the footsteps of their great-grandfather. Um, you know, that's one thing I mentioned on the Past Access show, and you will see that when you see this episode of, of uh, World War I, um, is I love seeing people embrace history. I mean, you and I mm-hmm. just live it, right? We love right. it. Um, and the people that we know in podcasting love it. Um, but when you see an average person that's going to take their time and money when they're going to travel across the planet – and they're going to say, "I'm going to lay a wreath on my great grandfather's grave uh, mm-hmm. that I never knew." Uh, in a war that seems ancient to modern sensibilities, it really it struck me that you know there's tens of thousands of people that have been doing this for four years during the centennial from from 2014 yeah. to to this year 18 that are spending their time to say, "I need to get to know this war better because it was horrific and it had such impact on the world we live in today." Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I made this happen. I had to make this happen yeah. uh, in 2018 um, for the centennial. And um, the only one of the drawbacks is I wanted to go to the American cemetery that wasn't too far from where I was in, in, uh, um, in at the Somme. And I, we just didn't have time to make it over there. But I did pay my okay. respects to yeah. the, the New Zealand folks, the Australians, the Scots, and even the Germans. Now, this is really important. Um, we like to think— uh, especially as an American or a Western a, a Westerner of a you know, let's say a product of the Allies or the the Triple Entente. That's right? weird now. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Only, in,
1: in Prague, I've yeah. gone to the cemetery. I used to live right next to JZP, where there's like the Soviet yeah. American you know Commonwealth, and they've even redone them. The German. Ones are still—because because the Soviets built—or, you know, communists built this. They, they're like, yeah, Germans? No, they in a give mass grave, respect. in a pile. We just don't— And keep yeah. and,
2: and keep, it, keep in mind this, that the, the, the graveyards that I went to that were German, their crosses were meant to be black, not white. And there, there were two names to each cross. And if they were in a mass graves they just put a big, big cross there. But black, because the British were responsible for gathering up all the bodies— that they could, and they just didn't, they didn't want to give them any kind of uh, sense of, of, of uh, dignity by giving them a white gravestone. So they gave them black crosses.
1: But they did, so see, I mean, but they, they th- did put a gravestone there with a name, which is way more than the Russians would have done in World War II. Yep. You know, so. Absolutely. That's interesting. So, yeah. it,
2: and, and so um, I also got to see where the Red Baron took his final nosedive to his death, the field. Right. I got to w- go right by the field. OK, so uh, that's where his his his, uh, his body was found, shot through the abdomen. And uh, with modern forensics um, that were used today, we realized that most likely it wasn't the Canadian Brown that shot him down, even though he was there and did fire on the Red Baron. It most likely was an Australian from the ground because the trajectory of the bullet came from down. Beneath. That's
1: something. OK, are you sure he doesn't just he didn't just like you know cuz they can do loop to loops and everything you sure he wasn't just like pitching up and then he got shot yeah, because you're having
2: because he was so well known the the, the flying circus is what they call them because they all all these different colored planes right Yeah. everybody knew who everybody was even the guys on the ground knew that was the red bearing so yeah. there's so many you know corroborating viewpoints that this yeah. is exactly how the plane went down so it okay. does make sense. Okay. Okay. That most likely it wasn't. I, I was like, "What? Can they tell by instrument.
1: caliber, or you know, you know?" Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It was really the angle. So I did it. that's what they're uh, saying. So
2: um, I got to go right by the field, which is just a cornfield. Neat. It's just a cornfield. It's a, it's a beautiful place, um, but you'd never imagine that you know it was devastation. However, they still find weapons and ammunition, live ammunition. To this day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, guess, oh, and guess what they do? They're, guess they're, what they do? Huh. They find, they, they find a shell. Yeah. Okay? If they're digging or some kid's playing in their backyard. Right. By law, they take the shell carefully. They put it okay. to the side of the road and, and then detonate it. Yeah. So, so I, we were driving through the villages, and sure enough,
1: there were shells on the road. It's like a garbage service. They just come and pick it up. Exactly. That's, uh, yeah, because they find him in the cities in Germany. There was a big bomb, Munich or Berlin, both in the last year. And, you know, either they put a big concrete dome over it or, you know, they evacuate everything and try to, like, remove it. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still that's. Yeah. I guess that's World War Two. And what you're talking about is World War One. Hopefully it's like. Little bit. Well, you're talking millions of shells and yeah. ammunition.
2: Billions. I, I was an
1: reading, amp. and this might not be common knowledge, that there was so much arsenic and and all that used that um, some of those dead man zones uh, are still just you can't use um, uh, you can't use them for like farmland. Like it just to this day. There's it's two a, things it's that total... our tour guide
2: told us. Which was interesting. he said, if you if you're driving through and you see this little kind of white patch in the soil, that's the calcium of not that was been dig- dug up a hundred years ago. Those were trenches that have been covered over.
1: okay. And so you okay. can
2: easily see them today as little white um, uh, spots in the ground. You can also see where the ground you just mentioned travis was is no longer viable, even today because yeah. of the tear because of the mustard gas or Heavy whatever
1: metals and arsenic and yeah, from, have, from the gases have, or whatever, even exactly. just, yeah. You know, you'll have fields,
2: you know, of growing crops and all of a sudden you'll have nothing. Just that's your answer. Yeah. They're not allowed to grow it there.
1: Yep. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Even the even the wild animals, it's 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 worse off than Chernobyl in some ways because the animals also die. And I mean, it's just like Chernobyl is like full of life now. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible stuff. Now, I wanted to. Okay, I know we can talk about. Okay, so that's past access. Some Mm -hmm. questions people might have is like. Well, what do you mean? So if you're if you're completely quadriplegic uh and moving around, you know, so I kind of wanted to back up a little bit and and talk about as much as you're willing to talk about um like sure. um how did you even, you know, were you in a wheelchair by birth or did that happen to you? And then I also want to uh, kind of move on to your experience working in the hospital for so long in Atlanta. But but I think okay. one leads to the yeah. other. So It does. Yeah. Um, Easy. Easy. Were you born in a, you know, needing a wheelchair or.
2: No, I had a perfectly normal childhood. Um, I had a perfectly normal American childhood. I played baseball. I was in Boy Scouts. uh, um, You know, I was uh, involved in, in, you know, doing normal school, school kid things. Um, I was on a uh, uh, Boy Scout trip in 1984. And in the uh, Shenandoah mountains, can, uh, can I just say I was yeah. two
1: years old? I just want you to know. Uh, okay. I, was... I hate you right now. That's good. That's good stuff. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> I work with a bunch of 25 year olds, man. I, I feel old Same. every day. Same. Uh, oh my yeah. goodness. IT yeah. community is pretty young uh, anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was in, uh, the mountains hiking and we were done climbing up, um, old rag mountain in Virginia and it was November cold and rainy and I must've caught walking pneumonia there at that point. Fast forward a couple weeks, I was not doing very well and getting sicker and sicker. I went in for a blood test and back in 1984 standards, uh, it took too long for the blood test to get back to see that I had some problems. What had happened was I contracted a very rare virus called transverse myelitis, which is a very distant cousin of maybe uh, multiple sclerosis or something along those lines. Um, or Guillain-Barre syndrome, kind of like that. But, uh, what it does is it means that your white blood cells are energized to stop the other issue, which was the walking pneumonia and cause swelling on my spinal cord on the lower C level. So when you said quadriplegic, in some ways you were right, Travis, I was a low level quad. Um, however, the swelling localized to T4, T6. Um, so, um, uh, I, I'm what you call now an incomplete paraplegic, so I, ha- I can stand up a little bit. I can move quite a bit. I'm what's very, what's very T4, dependent. T6? Um, if you were to bend your neck down and feel that little bump. Just below your, your spine, neck?
1: Yeah, okay. Uh,
2: well, that's your C8. Oh, that's your okay. Gotcha. Eight. gotcha. So go a little, about that far, much farther down your spinal cord is your, chort- okay. your thoracic 4, thoracic 6. Okay.
1: Four or five. So just so, right around like between the shoulder blade level. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm trying to imagine back. like, you know, how far down or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so kind yeah. of. So middle middle of the back, upper middle back.
2: Yeah. And so what that meant for me was I had to learn how to use my fingers again. Um, I battled through some atrophy and I was sent from D.C. to Philadelphia so little,
1: to try. Let me let me just yeah. slow you down a little. So low level quadriplegic means you can't move your arms or legs. At low exactly. level means like maybe you could move your fingers a little bit or something, I had, or... I had some sensation, yes yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, like, I'm just, just trying to like ahead. I know that i I basically know everything you're about to say, but I'm, right. I'm trying to like slow it down, like wait a minute, like yeah, if people might not even understand like um uh quadriplegic or just paraplegic, uh so paraplegic is like you can move your arms and you just can't move your legs, and quadriplegic is like you're completely immobile, Pop- except for and yeah. there's there's even you know. Yeah, there's like locked in syndrome where it's everything you're totally conscious, but you can't even move your eye your, You know, maybe only move sure. your eyelids or something. So there's there's a whole range There's a lot um, of var- yeah. a lot
2: of variances with that yeah. um, However, I started getting some things back when the swelling went away and yeah Because of that they moved me to uh, Philadelphia to the uh, the folks that at Shriners Hospital and boy what a shout out for them My parents uh, were completely broke from the, all the money after the insurance ran out just to get me yeah. Just to keep me alive because I was in yeah. ICU for weeks and the Shriners folks uh, gave me free rehabilitation in Philadelphia, and without them, I wouldn't be here today. So amazing kudos to them.
1: That's something, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. So the Philadelphia unit at Shriners Hospital uh, got me at least a little bit of a start for my rehabilitation, which took years.
1: And how, and, how but, long were you in Philadelphia, yeah. that initial uh,
2: – Three and a half months. Okay. That's all. That's all I had, and then I was sent back home to Northern Virginia. What, what,
1: did, they, there, what did, did they? What did they do? What did they do in Philadelphia? Where they start? Like, what's the? That's the beginning of the rehab, kind of. So you go yeah. into Philadelphia, and you're just like, you're not in critical condition anymore. You're not in ICU. I'm Twelve years old at the point. Your swelling's I'm gone. Twelve but... years
2: old, and yeah, I'm by myself. Uh, my parents uh, could see me maybe every other weekend, but I was by yeah. myself in in a very small spinal cord injury unit. This was the hardest part, Trap, because this main. Uh, Shriners Hospital was for for burn units for children and if you have ever been on a burn unit god help you yeah. um, There were nights when I was s- sitting or sleep trying to sleep in the uh, spinal cord injury unit And you could hear the kids just crying all night long and if you know anything about burns um, The nurses have the toughest job in the world because they have to take the skin or What's left of it as it's starting to form again and scrape it off they have to do this several times, which is you can imagine excruciating for everybody involved—the person and the person doing the scraping—so that the skin that comes back is is as smooth as possible and not not wrecked, uh, and the nerve damage is so I guess minimized. Yeah. Um. So, the nurses basically—they—they—they they, they don't do well with this yeah, kind of stress. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, how could I? I'm, no. I imagine every nurse either they cycle through or they just all have PTSD. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just.
2: Yeah. And yeah, so shrieking me, like
1: you're on a battlefield kind of thing. Like I, you know, I, people are dying yeah. is what it sounds like. That's and and so I'm sitting yeah. in my
2: in my room and I'm having my own pity party about I can't move my fingers, I can't move my hands. But then I you move like you're hearing like kids bit.
1: scream, I assume you know, uh-huh. like ah oh, I
2: realized geez. I didn't have it that bad. So in that sort of morbid <sighs> yeah. way of of kind of putting your priority straight, I was able to work hard to get uh, with aqua therapy in the pool there, I was able to, uh, it took me four hours to get dressed yourself, even though it took you forever uh, to take a shower by yourself or whatever. Um, but it, those were some hard times that I'll never forget, but they were needed for me and my level of independence. So I, I Look, so kind
1: of another way, like looking back yeah. on that now, you, you, you're you maybe even grateful for, I mean, of course, you just mentioned like big shout out yeah. to the Shriners and all that, but yeah. but you being flown to Philadelphia or even may like the day before you found out that that's even going to happen when you were down in. So where DC. you? You were in DC. Yeah. I was so, at yeah, Fairfax hospital in Virginia. I mean, mm-hmm. you're 11, you're 11 yeah. or 12 years old, you know, like that, that's, that, I, that's you know, hard to even probably convey like that, like, like what kind of headspace you are in. Cause I can't it even was, imagine as an 11 year, I was like, yeah. you know, like if I'm 35 and I mean, I took me- medical anthropology in college. Like I've actually mm-hmm. thought about these kind of things. And you know, had, I, I had friends when I was younger that were in a chair and it's kind of like, Oh, you know, and they could drive and stuff. And it's kind of like, you know um, we got I was in Munich. Like, okay, I got to watch out for, you know, does that restaurant have stairs or not or whatever? Just like little tiny things I realized. But I never thought about that when I was 11, <laughs> you know, when I was yeah. 11, it was just kind of like, uh, I don't think there was anybody in my, just by chance, there was never anybody in my classes that were in a chair or uh, crutches or anything. It's just kind of like, you know, I hated soccer. That's where I was in my headspace. <laughs> and I can't imagine going through that really. And then kind of waking well, up to a totally here's, different here's reality. The hardest, of, this is the hardest know.
2: part, man. Um, is like, to, for as, me to, to me, go me through as an 11
1: year old, to would be like, I can't play video games anymore. It's like, you right. know, I just like, what am I going well, to th- do, you know? Think about it this way.
2: Um, as, as a parent now of a 12-year-old son, I have more appreciation so much of what my parents had to go through when the yeah. doctors came and told them, listen, you need to make funeral – possibly need to make funeral arrangements because we don't think he's going to last the next 24 hours. And so there, – There's uh, that
1: shock. You know, yeah, and when so, you recovered, you know, then it's like, well, okay, he made it. Uh, he's, right. he's quadriplegic, and then yeah. it's like, okay, well, uh, there, might be there's hope, back. but yeah. how good's your insurance, you know? Yeah. And then and, the Shriners stepped in, and then right. it's still, yeah, it's like, okay, now, you know, um, yeah. were, were they pretty straightforward with you as far as, um, you're gonna this is a long and hard process, and this is, you know, kind of up to you? I mean, mm. it's, uh, you know, how, yeah. How yeah, did they, they even were, tell you I, this? Nobody, like, nobody knew I was
2: going to get, yeah, you know, what I was going to get back. That was the thing, and so there was okay. also this, this hope. There was also false hope. There was just a wide range okay. of what's going to happen. And at yeah. some point, I had to make a decision that this is what I'm going to get back, and it's not going to be completely able to walk again, but I'm going to be able to do a lot of stuff. And um, I got right, busy I, living.
1: I, 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 you know, I feel like I feel like we need to do a whole two-hour topic <laughs> of like false and uh, hope and false hope. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I can it imagine even that story. three and a half months when you're in Philly, it's just like every week they give you different new or, you, you know, you progress like this and then maybe it's not happening as fast as you want. And, you know, well, all maybe someone's telling you like, oh, yeah, you know, well, you know, in 10 years, we'll give you robot legs and you'll just be, you know. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, all the guys in my
2: room in my unit were much older than I was.
1: Uh, they, they were, you know,
2: 17 or 18 uh, years old, 19 years old. That was the limit for the children's hospital. Um, okay, and yeah. these guys were hurt from motorcycle accidents, diving accidents, drunk driving, you name it. Um, and I was getting things back and they were not, so I was not a fan favorite in that whole unit, which made life very, um, isolated for me. Uh, um, so it wasn't until I went to college. That's when I was a weird dynamic. Go, yeah, it was. It wasn't until I went to college years later that they put us all wheelchair students on the same dormitory that I felt again, that I could make that connection with other people with disabilities, which is a godsend. You need to do it. You know, you got to have people with disabilities in your sphere again. And I didn't do that because I had such a sour taste in my mouth from rehabilitation um, that I didn't really, you know, for years, I didn't associate myself with anybody with disabilities. In college, I did. And it was the best thing for me because when you're yeah. going through something with with people with similar issues, um, it really helps you get through things. But, and uh, some but, of those folks are still in my life today.
1: Yeah. But like high school Pete was just like, screw you. I can do anything you can do. Like, I don't, you know, if you saw another guy in a wheelchair, you're like, oh, that guy, you you know, know, he's got other, he's got, you know, mental (laughs) issues. He's not me. I, you know, I'm out in the parking lot doing graffiti with the rest of them only getting caught because you got paint on your wheels.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's stories like that, of course. Uh,
1: but you know, I, but I yeah, think, I mean, um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah. to, you know, trying to imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can imagine that in high school. So I might well, have just move from totally different a- apples and oranges, but I just moved from yeah. Germany to America the day before high school. And it was just like, German, what's that? I was, like, I'm like, I'm as normal, as, you know, I was born in this town and you try to fit <laughs> in as much as you can in high school. That's just how it is. Um, And your, your previous experience and you're like, that's just how it is. And then yeah, living yeah. in a dorm room, that must be interesting. Um,
2: uh, it was a great time of life, but you, I think you nailed it right on the head. I, there, there's that, that, that saying from Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption, which you get busy living or you get busy dying. All right. Yeah. I, I know yeah. it's t shirt, you know, bumper sang. sticker. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Bumper sticker. Right. But you know what? There's so much truth to that. Um, for, for me, I powered through my depression, I powered through my sense of loss by just being busy as shit. Can I say mm-hmm. shit? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, literally, that's exactly what I, I, I did. I, I was involved uh, in student government, uh, photography and the yearbook staff. Um yeah. You know, if there was something – I was if I was the announcer for baseball since I couldn't play baseball. I was the manager right. all four years yeah. for the varsity team. Um, I announced the football games. Um, you know, I, I was extremely involved just because it, it – took my mind off of what I didn't have anymore. In high and, school and college um, or just, or just college? You, you... I, I started most of those things in high school. And okay. by the time I got to college, I got involved with the radio station and became uh, the news, news and sports director and station manager. Yeah. And, um, and then I kept photography going in my life, which I still do today. Um, so yeah, all those things have those connections.
1: See, I, uh, I, I did nothing. I was, <laughs> uh, honestly, I was privileged. And look I, at you
2: today. Look at, look how great you are today, You know, I mean, but, but it is kind anything, of, right?
1: like, I do appreciate, you, I, I do appreciate you and, and kind of, and I, it does kind of boil down to, like, when I met you, I was just like, man, there's this Pete, Pete guy that just has all these stories and has done, you know, every m- thing. Can I say that, though? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It's my know. show. I'll <laughs> uh, market explicit. You know, a, a couple of F-bombs in a two hour show is probably fine, but, um, I got I got a bleep sound effect. Well, I'll, I'll figure that out in post. But you uh, know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, I kind of thought like, wow, you know, I I'm a hobby maniac. I go from painting to this to that to this. But I but I wasn't always like that. When I was in high school and college, I was all about. Video games, And that's kind of where it stopped and hanging out with the homies and smoking cigarettes and, <laughs> you know, trying to get beer underage and that kind of thing. And and that's kind of where I was. And I'm not going to, like, paint the picture to listeners of like, oh, you had to overcome this thing. And that's why you're, you know, you're like this. You're like the, the first black woman that ever got her pilot's license. You know, like it was such a you know, you had to overcome these things and that maybe that's why you actually did all these additional things. I'm not going to analyze, you know, I'm not going to oversimplify your life versus mine because I was just like, yeah, I was, you know, hey, I speak English and German and I could coast through a foreign language class getting straight A's and I never had to think about nothing. And so I was the laziest guy on the planet, you know, and you were taught a lesson as a 12 year old. It's like, it's up to you. What are you going to do? You know, like you're, you can be bedridden your, your we, whole life we, and your we whole all life could be pretty things, though, yeah.
2: It's, you know, we all have these things. Well, that's why I'm like, I'm not going to like yeah. sit here and paint it, it, that it,
1: point of like, yeah, you know, uh, right. I'm not, well, I'm not going to sit here and psychoanalyze you and be like, oh, you overcame you <laughs> diversity and that's why, you know? Yeah. But, but, but some yeah. listeners are doing that exactly that right now. And, and part of my mind is like, look, this is, here's this guy, Pete. And this is why past access is so freaking amazing. You know, I've seen it, you know, you can, you can look at the uh, Bohemian channel and see us go to like Hoska, like this haunted castle. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like filming you down in the courtyard. Cause you can't get up the stairs to the, but like there you are yeah. in a castle courtyard. Like we had to drive where people aren't supposed to, to get there. We had to, you know, break a half dozen rules and then, you know, push you through gravel uphill. It's like, that God was fun. damn. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to recognize like that's a, that's an activity. Like that takes yep, some, some sweat the and then, yeah. And we, we made it happen. And, and um yeah, I, I just like, that's, you know, mad respect on the one hand, and yeah, I kind of, I kind of think like, well, yeah, wow, you are you know, doing the r- running the school paper and you know, doing all these things and activities, and like I was doing squat, you know, I was just like, I, I got 100 percent on Grand Theft Auto on my PlayStation, and like that's where that's where it's at. But yeah, so <laughs> so, so those are stones of that. That's pretty good stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, hey,
1: that that took some dedication. That took a couple of months. But anyways, yeah, I mean that's um, th- that is kind of interesting that. So you do have this whole experience in in college. Um, now I've heard some stories that <laughs> there's like I don't think you can even repeat.
2: No, I, I'll
1: tell you one. You know, I, I mentioned on the German on my German show about you being a you being in a fraternity and them kind of you yeah. know like hazing you a little bit, which is it just it just makes for a good story. You know, leaving you in the middle of a field in Ohio, or you guys kind of hazing on each other in your dorm. Um, You mentioned like with, with the other uh, the guys in wheelchair you know, wheelchairs. Yeah. And some of them yeah. were like quadriplegic and it's just, just like um, turning off the wheelchairs. Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, I don't, we don't have, I don't need, we don't need to go into those kind of stories. I'm just like, I, it, it, it showed me when I heard you tell these stories is like, you guys all have a sense of humor and there's like uh, you got you got yeah. kind of roasted each other for what you could and couldn't do. And exactly. um, that kind of camaraderie is, is something unique which I can then imagine the same kind of thing I can picture you in an airplane or a, or a tour bus or something with fencing buddies uh, you know uh, having that that almost like fraternal you know fraternity kind of um, thing going on even as as a young adult and all that so that yeah that's kind of interesting so you mentioned okay so uh, you're in college let's let's uh, so you went to high school in DC you went to college you mentioned you, you jumped around a little bit um, where'd you start off in college? <laughs> You, you move up. Well, to- yeah, I went to
2: high. I went, I went to high school at uh, George Marshall High School in Falls Church, Virginia, and then I went to. Okay. Uh, I did my first undergrad at Marshall University in Huntington. Yeah. And and then I went to Michigan State University uh, for two years for a second BA, and then I moved to Atlanta in 1998.
1: where did you where'd you study? Does that even matter?
2: Uh, you know, I studied radio TV journalism at Marshall and then telecommunication management at Michigan oh, State. Well that, that does matter because so, here, yeah, here we are yeah, like broadcasting. Yeah, we are. So. Uh, and I'm coming around again. So, you know, in my current IT job that I have, um, I'm doing uh, corporate videos and uh, customer service videos uh, for our products that we yep. do for mainframe and software. So, it, you know, sorry. I got a lot of... Uh, Noises. I live near a hospital here. You can actually so. tell those are Czech sirens. Is,
1: I, it doesn't sound at all. normal. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is a bad movie. Oh wait. <laughs>
2: yeah. So this is a normal day for me. When, so it's getting hot here, so the windows are open. Um, but yeah, I think um, all those experiences are great. You mentioned, you know, uh, the hazing aspect when I was I was a member of Tau Kappa Epsilon. I was a teak uh, and at Marshall University, uh, the Beta new chapter. And I think what was great about those guys. Was that um, I got hazed like everybody else? They were like, they would come up to me and say, "Hey man, it's this is okay." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, just you know." Yeah. So all right, because we're gonna we want to make sure that you uh, okay. have the same. experience. at
1: this point, let me. <laughs> I got to tell a real quick story of how when I first met Pete, dude shows up in the office and like, "Hey guy," you know, kind of like, "Nice to meet you all," and he's interviewing or whatever, and then um, he comes back and starts and everything, and and this really C A, progress, was, CA. yeah, in the Czech Republic at at um, where we where we met. I'm no longer an employee there. I don't, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, um, and, and you know, Pete starts. And I, I think, I don't even remember, you know, we started doing these training things. So I was like, oh, there's Pete. And I showed him something or he shadowed me or something. But within, like, week one, uh, you, you know, so Pete is, like, overly polite. I roasted him for this, like, all the time. <laughs> I used to, like, if he'd sit in his office chair, I would sit in his wheelchair and go around and be like, Go around people's desk and be like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Everything going okay? You want to get some coffee? It's like being this, like, super sugary. That, that's Pete. That's, like, he's a, he's such a friendly guy to, like, you know, says hi to everybody. says hi to the receptionist. I don't want to make you blush or nothing now. That's just, like, that is who you are. If people get to know you, you're just, like, super nice to everybody. We'll help anybody out. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, oh, who's this, you know, like, just overly clean? I don't know. Conservative, I don't know. Like, you can't trust a guy like that. And like week one, you know, we had these like half cubicles, just like yay hi, if you're watching the video. And he just rolls by and it was just like, it was perfect. Because he's in a chair, it was like, it was like he's on a he's on a track. So it's just like it wasn't like he's walking by, it's just like he perfectly rolls by and he's just like, I'm like, hey, hey man, and he's just like, hey buddy. And he just rolls by. (laughs) Show me the middle finger if you didn't see that on the video. And I was just like that Guy, I like that. I like that guy. Like, we're gonna get along. Like, that was just like, we're gonna get along. Uh, shenanigans. And then next time he rolls by, and he's like, Hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, Pete, you know, just like return the favor. And it was like week <laughs> two when I was like, Hey, have, do you listen to podcasts? Like, you listen to, like, within two months, we were recording our first True. podcast. So, yeah, yeah. I, so, I got I gotta, I just kind of gotta like give this little glimpse of you that, that I can imagine you guys is like having a great sense of humor together, but you are super polite and and nice and have way better etiquette maybe it's like being raised in the south you say sir and ma'am like that would be offensive there, to an Oregonian like when you're calling me <laughs> calling me old you know but but yeah, yeah. uh but yeah flipping so me the bird on week 1 I was like oh that guy I like that guy all right yeah. he's
2: all right <laughs> that's funny you remember that that's good stuff oh, I'll never forget it I was like
1: yeah he was like hey buddy Just like whew. Cause it was so perfect. It was so per. It was just like you're rolling by on a track. You're just like, you know, just like, and it's like eye level. Cause I'm sitting. So it's like eye level. Middle finger, just like right eye level. Hey man, you didn't even look at me. You just like rolled by. <laughs> like hey Pete. You're just like hey buddy. Just like like that. That guy. That guy. He got like me. He's got it. He's got it. Sounds like me. Yeah. Um, good. Times. So yeah, I, yeah. I can just, I can just kind of imagine, like, you know, I know you got, you got good friends from, from back in the day. I'm, um, I'm very
2: lucky. I've got a lot of great friends from from um, you know all all those places. But you know, I tell you, it was kind of interesting. Um, there are times I get homesick, of course, being over here, and uh, sometimes you don't get to go back to the states for two years because of the cost. Uh, but uh, you know, I've had friends come and see me here from the states and stay with me here in Prague for their tours and stuff yeah. of Europe, and uh, which are great. Or I go back home and you know, you, you do what you can seeing people. Um, and I've got my own sphere of people in Atlanta and Washington and, yeah. and Michigan and West Virginia, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, I, I really recently started noticing, I've made some pretty significant relationships here in, in, in Prague. And one of the best things is working for a multinational, uh, company, uh, that, uh, has people, you know, uh, Russians and Ukrainians and, uh, mm-hmm folks from India and, uh, Greece, it, it really is a mixed bag of people and you really get a great idea of uh, community, you know, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, in America is very multicultural of course as well, but here you, you, you really get to talk to a, a Russian, Russian, mm-hmm. <laughs> a Russian American, right? Uh, it's a different sort of situation. Um, and everyone's got their different viewpoints and yet you still get along and you still have a beer with them after work. And um, uh, it's something you don't necessarily get when you, when you
1: just stay in the United States, you know, if you're working overseas, this is the experience. It's really kind of nice. That's yeah. So um, I, I mentioned somewhere that it was really weird that when I moved to Prague and started having these like jobs at, um, American or German companies or, you know, whatever. And then kind of, even the Czechs had to speak English. And, you know, this is like these very international companies at, uh, I, I was at a call center for a while where it was like 40 nationalities picking up the phone, answering and all, you know, Italian and French. And I was there for English and German and it was just, you know, crazy. Uh, I met my wife there. She was there for like Spanish and English, you know? And yeah, um, that, you you definitely it's kind of more of a melting pot than it is here in many ways. I said to German uh, interviewers that were like asking me questions, I was saying like, yeah, the first time I ever met somebody from the South was in the <laughs> Czech Republic or, or even like hang out with East Coasters because, um, yeah, I mean, if I met somebody in high school that came from New York or something like they would try to like chill out and, you know, integrate like they would try to become Californian sort of um and the first time i met somebody that was unapologetically from new jersey was just like wow dude or from boston yeah, it was just like that's Whoa, a, lot. You're, a lot to a lot you're a lot yeah you're just like a lot um you know just like this you know and and yeah and Prague kind of has that I mean, there's just so many stories of just like running into people in bars and clubs and they're just like you know from the east from new york or wherever texas or wherever and um I didn't get a whole lot of that in Oregon. Like, that's, that is kind of neat. And then, of course, you know, from the UK and anybody that's, you know, New Zealand and Australia and, and, um, yeah, uh, uh, that's really neat in a way. Uh, I also want to mention, like, okay, we're, we are technical writers, which for people that don't know what by day. So we're history podcasters all the rest of the time. Uh, but by day, we go in for 40 hours a week. So Pete's also, Pete's on the media team and has like a broader definition. Um, and I'm a tech writer specialist, which I can, you know, some yeah. Sometimes like my job involves training and stuff, but a technical writer right. is like, we write the documentation for software programs, like for applications, and you know, mm-hmm. for stuff in the cloud and how to, you know, analyze big data. And you, you know, we'll, we'll, we write the user guides, we write the online help, we write the. Sometimes we get to write blog posts and make videos, like sure. you, especially Pete's Work on the video customers. team, and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the skill set from doing this kind of we try to reflect that back at work and be like, hey, I can do I can do voiceovers and, you know, um, (laughs) I can record my screen and uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, we we do that. I don't know. That's I've done episodes in German, I guess, on Silicon Valley and kind of what that's like. And history of Silicon Valley is interesting to me at work. I've given presentations on the history of Silicon Valley, which was like for some event or other, you know, it's like, oh, Travis will, you know, I already got this thing written down in German and I just had to like translate it. And, um, that's kind of, you know, fun, fun stuff that even, yeah, even a tech writing, like I, I like history. Um, right. But yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's kind of what we do. So uh, on the one side, we're at the bleeding edge of like the newest stuff that comes out in the tech world, like, the bleeding edge of, yeah, like, period. where You know, like, the newest of the new is kind of what we write machine about. Machine learning, things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, yeah. yeah. Mach- AI, machine learning. I got, oh, my goodness. If, if you've ever seen um, Person of Interest, it's an episode, it's a series, of, a little bit older now, a couple of years older, but it's I like, that there's this massive, yeah. like, AI, and, you, and so I just, I, I don't even know if I should be talking about this, but w- I saw a demo where it's like facial recognition and then they put you in a database and then they, they recognize your mood and all these kind of, I should, probably shouldn't be talking about, So maybe I can stop. <laughs> I but really the interface looked exactly <laughs> like that. And it was all, it's a machine, you know, it'll it'll tag you and then give you a name. And then later when you come back in or leave, it just, it just you know, cr- knows how many times you were there. And then later you're like, oh, that guy is this, you know, peak, if you attach it to a record, it just knows who you are. It, can, it knows what you're wearing. It's just like, yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, yeah, so bleeding, bleeding edge. And then to counteract that, it's like, hey, let's talk about the 15th century. I am now reading a book on Rudolf II and, like, some of the actual, like, chemical compounds they were putting in a lab and roasting to try to find the Philosopher's Stone in the Prague Castle in the year, like, 1608, you know? Like, they're totally... Uh, yeah, I'm still reading documentation to, you know, these people did these things in a lab and they wrote it down. It's just really weird documentation, but yeah. But, But I think,
2: I think you're exactly right, Trav. Um, it's a good balance because, you know, technical writing kind of works on one side of the brain and you, you kind of focus on that. And then one of the reasons why we wanted to do something different was to kind of give our creative side, you know, some exercise Um, and do something we also like to do, which is kind of think, uh, about historical perspective and those type of things. So, um, I kind of felt like it was needed this past five years, what to do these podcasts was almost like therapy because, um, I don't know if I would have made it to just be a technical uh, writer and that's it.
1: I wanted to say something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly, that's perfect. That's hitting the nail on the head. It's kind of like, so we wanted to make something that was ours. I, I mean, I painted for the same reason, and I kind of get—I kind of like ran out of time to paint when I started podcasting. But before that, I painted, and it was just kind of like this, for my own sanity, to create something that I could then grasp, something physical, and then also, <laughs> you know, be like, this is my, mo- like, I did this, I made this, and it's, you know, it's not for some employer or anything. Yeah. Um at this point, yeah, like we got books out, and, we got and, merchandise and out we got, we got we have sponsors. Too. We're talking about yeah. like Marshall and West Virginia. We got sponsors paying us to do this now. Like it's kind of yeah. crazy. So it's, it's great. Um, and I, I think yeah. that
2: being a technical writer has also helped us out too, because it's helped us be you know more
1: succinct in what we're talking yeah. about, um, uh better writing, you know, techniques. Yeah. So it's all kind of worked together. Because we do like document the past in the same way yep. that we would document a exactly. new feature. It, yeah um oh yeah definitely i'm i'm taking notes now about rudolph ii like as if i'm listening to a developer like oh and then it does what and then it you know that's that's a big
2: book that's a big book that i sent you right from Prague. yeah dude that book is so cool
1: that book is so cool it's an absolute tome i I wish i could just (laughs) yeah in a way i gotta be careful because i just want to plagiarize certain aspects of it but you know the way they tackle an issue or two um but i I won't. So I'm going to tackle the book from the ghost tour point of view. We're going to be walking around Prague. It's just 1608 and I just really know what I'm talking about now. Like it's just so, so good. Um, but I'll wander through Prague and I have an idea of like all areas of, yeah, especially like Rudolf's castle and where, what was in yeah. the, when we started podcasting five years ago, we did one on Rudolf the second and we tried to like list things that were in his Kunstkammer, his, uh. Cabinet of Curiosities, you know, which was a four-story wing of the castle, by the way, <laughs> a separate library also, um, with, like, the Devil's Bible and stuff in it. But, but yeah, now I really have a pretty decent idea of what collections were in there, what he was after, what kind of books were in there, and where they are now. Like, they're not all in Stockholm. A lot of them were in Uppsala and Lund and also Leiden and um, Christina of Sweden, then took some of that stuff with her to the Vatican, and, you know, so uh yeah like, i got to hold i got to hold some of those books in yeah. stockholm
2: yep. last summer so from, that's from, those from, are making it in trilogy. my book like yeah i'm, I'm yeah. writing about yeah.
1: like just just a footnote even like it's a whole chapter on this uh, this book that i'm reading but i just want to kind of point out like yeah you can still see some of the things you can go track them down and on the front it might have the Habsburg. you know like Rudolf actually had a lot of stuff bound and so you can see Habsburg on the back you see the czech lion and like that's that's pretty neat like that's yeah you know, for an, a holy roman emperor to have the czech lion there like oh yeah it's uh anyways boy we can we'll get off tangents so easily we gotta <laughs> what, what uh, i uh what i want to say about podcasting is um yeah, we're kind of proud of it. We also, you know, we do this as a service. Like, I think, and, and you know, grab onto this. Let me know what you think. But um, I find that I wouldn't read half of these books at this point. I'm so happy I do, and it's all stuff that I'm curious about. But the rewarding thing that that pushes me over the edge to actually read about, like, right now I'm reading this book about Yiddish, you know? And I just, like, I can't get enough. Oh, cool. I'm almost done. And it's going to turn into one episode of History of Germany you know, so, oh, man, I'm almost done. I got like 20 pages. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I'm just loving it. It's written with uh, Michael Vex. Michael Wex. It's like great sense of humor. And he really knows what he's talking about. And, um, yeah, that's just, you know, one example. I'm reading a book on the Crusades and all that. But the, the thing is, I probably wouldn't put the effort into it if it was just for me. Because if it's just yeah. for me, and I noticed it's about alchemy. I'd be on a ghost tour guide. And I was always curious about the history of science and the history of a cult. And I would, you know, while I'm giving ghost tours, I was also a big fan of like James Burke and the Connection series. Some this is some people it tells he was a BBC journalist. Some people like totally recognize this. Some people don't. He was back in like Apollo 11. Like he was the journalist that, you know, told England that we landed on the moon. Like he he's that guy. Um he did a show in the 90s. Uh, he's still alive doing lectures, and I'm just a big James Burke fan. But I was also, I would, now I'm rewatching some of it, and I'm like, oh, we actually talked about Heinrich Kunrad. We did a whole episode on, you know, and with a little bit of That's pride. Right. Like, we covered some of these things that, you know, James Burke was, like, super esoteric, like, really, really down a rabbit's hole. And I was like, we, we stumbled across that on our own um, and did that independently. And, that, you know, and there's a pride there that, like, we really did our homework, and we wouldn't have done it if no one was listening, we wouldn't have, there's that gratification, we're getting these iTunes reviews, and comments, and comments on the website, and everything, and you know, just lively conversations, on Twitter, and Facebook, and you know, there's a history of alchemy, Facebook page, and Bohemian Facebook page, and groups, and like subreddits, we got a subreddit going, you know, and, and there has been engagement, we wouldn't, It wouldn't be worth it if it was. And then, you know, sponsors came in pretty late, like just in the last year or so. We've actually been making some money doing this. And so for four years, it wasn't even, it didn't even pay for itself at all. It still doesn't pay for the time we put in, it does pay for the server costs and, you know, paying translators and editors and stuff, um, merch designs, you know. But um, yeah, we wouldn't, like, I know way more. I've now read dozens of books to then. Give a book report to listeners. You know,
0: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
1: yeah. How do you feel about, I mean, is that like, do you, like, you just went to Paris and it wasn't that relaxing. Well, I mean, you had three days where you're just like running around filming everything you do, rolling around, like. It was exhausting. For 10 kilometers <laughs> instead of paying a, ta- you know. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't it kind of like, so it's rewarding well, and it kind of makes you, brings you up to the next level on your own personal life. Like you're just like doing all these things that. You know, then you yeah. chat in a bar, well, and you're, you're like, "Hey, we got a million downloads." And I had a friend who's well, like, "None of my friends have yeah. a million anything." You know, congrats, You know, yeah. like that's really cool. It's
2: you know, it, it's paying it forward. I think, especially with this one particular show, I think um, uh, if you can make someone's life a little more um, uh, interesting, uh, take away some of the veil of uh, concern that stops people from even buying a ticket. Yeah, uh, to say, "Gosh, Pete, if Pete did it, I could do it." That's perfect. Um, now, keep in mind, I was hustling. I, I did a lot of stuff to make sure that we yeah. had a lot covered, but I also took some time to myself. I, I yeah. got to sit down uh, at uh, Les, Deux, uh, Les Deux Margot, which was uh, the famous cafe that Hemingway w- okay. uh, yeah. wrote at. right? Yeah. So I had my breakfast there the last day I was there um, and had a nice little stand-up. I did a little stand-up or I guess we could say sit down. I don't know. How do you say that in our, our business now? <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, talking about my favorite Hemingway story. Um, I got to go to Shakespeare and company and buy a movable feast and have it stamped by the Shakespeare and company, uh, famous, uh, 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 store that was there. That was all kind of very Parisian on my to-do list. I had to check that off. Um, but, um, I, you know, I did spend some time with my photography as well. I, 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 at sunset, I wheeled across the San river and, and just had some time for myself. So um, it was a busy trip. But I did get some things out for me, which was nice. And I do that every time I go someplace. It's not always business. There's a little bit of time to sit back and just soak it in. Um, being in Central Europe and being able to do a jumping point to see some of the greatest cities in the world uh, and some of the greatest history, um, you would be just – it would be ridiculous for you not to just you know sit back and just take it in. Yeah. Um, I always tell people – like when I went to Amsterdam, uh, a couple years ago, uh, one of the main things I wanted to do was find an accessible canal tour because you need to see the canals, right? Um, and I found one, which is great. So I'll report on that. And it was great just to sit back and just kind of let the history wash over you as you're taking a, an hour and a half tour of the city, uh, not in the city streets or by taxi or by Metro, but just by a nice leisurely like canal tour. Um, yeah, that was great.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's more my kind of. AK. Even in those big cities, uh, where I'm trying to buy univ- uh by museums and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I, I love all that stuff, but it's also, I gotta just kick it by a canal, sit in a cafe, yeah.
2: and and chill, just chill. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I especially because like I kind of feel like I'm gonna sound such like such an asshole uh, saying this, but like I kind <laughs> of feel like I've been there and done that. Like I've been to Paris a half dozen times. Okay, so it's not yeah you know, my wife's never been someday we'll go together. And I was just there, you know, right before I met her or when we were dating, maybe, you know, like, yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, Yeah. you know, okay. And, um, it's funny? You should say that. But the thing is like, I still love Paris. I just kind of like, I, I want to sit in a cafe across from Notre Dame. I just don't really like the Louvre is so cool. The Louvre is so cool. However, I don't really want to stand in line for half a day and it's not, that cool i'm sorry but i can go on google museums and take a virtual tour and you know i'm I sorry but experience. i've seen the mona well, lisa several times I, and you know I had, like, so, someone had times.
2: asked me the other day they said they said pete what was your trip like to paris and i said you know it's i had to think about it for a minute i said you know i've been there three times to paris in my life yeah and this was um, the most I stressful
1: said, maybe well yeah, no, because well, you were there for fencing, think, fencing stuff
2: too right yeah, yeah yeah and i was there also for one vacation too and i i think um yeah if Paris is like a, a first love that you have, okay? Um, no other girl is going to compare to that first girl. Just not going to happen. All right. It doesn't mean that subsequent women in your life, you know, that you have relationships with are, are not going to be more real. They're probably going to be more real, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But Paris had that sort of mysticism. When I went there, I was like, Wow. There's a wow factor everywhere. I went, wow. This is a place I read about when I was a kid. Wow. This and is the some Louisville. of the
1: things you imagine are exactly yes. that way. You go to some little alleyway and there's a street cafe that's yes. empty. Like a picture. The waiter is just so rude and doesn't speak any English. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is like I'm actually here. You know, cobblestones, you know, the coffee's like 10 euros for a little, you know, you're just like, oh, my God, this is Paris, everything I've heard. There's (laughs) those moments. Exactly. Going to the Eiffel Tower is not, frankly, worth it because – I mean, going to the top, it's like something you have to do. And because you have to do it, uh, it, it's like standing in line for half a day. And if I'm spending $1,000 on a plane ticket, I'm not going to go to the top of the Eiffel yeah. Tower. I did when I was a kid. <laughs> when I was like eight years old, I remember yeah. it. Good enough. I've seen yeah. other views. You go to the top of Petrine <laughs> in Prague, it's the same view. It's the same height. <laughs> same thing. Um, yeah. Right. You know, i just kind of like, okay. it it's,
2: but I, I don't want to paint it to say that it's like a letdown. I'm just saying that you know, the subsequent times you go to Paris are all very special. But the, you have to kind of kind of dig into that you deeper You also do meaning. different just things. Like, yeah.
1: Like yeah. The first, time, for first couple times uh, I was a kid, I didn't appreciate uh, having dinner at the Sacré-Cœur, watching all mm-hmm. the painters. It's such a tourist trap that I want to be careful because like, French are nice. like, an American went well, to well, dinner. Malts. Like we never go. But <laughs> that's the place. That is yeah. the place in the world. Famously, where you take a day, I went with their, with my parents. Okay, but you have dinner, you watch the painters, and the backdrop is Paris because the Sacré Coeur is like way up on a hill, and then you're eating. Yep. The, you're like your filet mignon that is like so bad because it is a tourist <laughs> trap and it's right. so overpriced. But who cares? You know, twenty euros for a Stella Artois or something. But you're watching like dozens, like two dozen artists paint outside while watching the sunset, and there's like the Eiffel Tower over there, Sacre Coeur behind you. Dude, I don't, you know, it's, it's like going to Oktoberfest. Every, I've never spe- spoken to a single person in Munich that's like, <laughs> Oktoberfest, yeah, I gotta go every year. But I'm like, but right. when you were a kid, you loved it, or the first time you went, you know, Germans hate it. And I'm like, yeah, but... You don't see it from an outsider. You don't see it from, like... It's so cliche to you, but, like, if you're... When you're actually there, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like, they just carried out that Texan on a stretcher. It's real, yeah. you know? It's real. This is Exactly. I'm actually <laughs> drinking beer by the leader. And, you know... Yeah. And, and uh, you, you just don't care how cliche it is or how much of a tourist trap. Yeah, I lived in Europe for 20 years. Like, trust me, I know. And I still kind of... I, I would still find the silver lining of any place Mm -hmm. i go and appreciate what's there uh in the worst tourist traps i'll never get sick of rome or florence even though those are like you know the worst pizza i ever had was in rome ironically and you know you got to bring your own water because like you'll get to some of those on the travel you know on on past access but um yeah that's yeah that's kind of neat um yeah we 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 work hard for this we try to give a presentation of, you know, document what we see and all that kind of stuff. On that regard, I kind of wanted to, I don't know if we want to jump to this yet, but I wanted to uh, open up Bohemian just the Bohemican list in front of you. And let's kind of just like yeah. go through it and, and think about, you know, okay. have a little nostalgic moment and think about what were some of the best shows, reminisce a little bit. Some of them we traveled for, you know. Okay. So yeah, This kind of, I want to mention really quick because this is kind of, I want to do a show on what the German podcasting community. I want to do a video on the German podcasting community. And right now yeah. they're they're doing day of the podcast. They're live streaming for 24 hours over Twitch. And then they cut it or they don't even cut it. They just upload 24 hours to YouTube. Last year they live streamed via YouTube and then it was just there. 24 hour episode of they call it day of the podcast. This is the five year where they do it. There, there have been American or English speaking events that have even gone on for longer. It's not a world record or anything, but it's, it is a neat tradition because you can live chat, you can see them do it live. I'm going to be on at your one in the morning. And oh. then after four or five in the morning, they ain't like. Yeah. I think even the, mod, you know, I'm just like, hey, go take a nap. I got this. You know, I'll, I'll just, I'll keep going for two, three hours straight. Just I'll wing it. You know, I got, I got some scripts here, some outlines. I'll just tell you guys stories for days. <laughs> um, and then, and I I said that like jokingly months ago, because they, they weren't finding anybody for the last three hours, like four or five, six in the morning or whatever. And then just like last week, they're like, hey, Travis, were you kidding? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we could use you. And I'm like, yeah, go to sleep. I got this. I got this. Yeah. So it'll be like 7 p.m. My time, you know great so, um anyways yeah so that's that's kind of neat i i i appreciate those guys just uh boy that's there's four of them sitting at a table right now they got people calling in you know so so they'll have me call in i'll be on a screen and everything I like that's that's cool that's not bad oh last week i was on a game show i won but it was like a role-playing thing you know so and you know i was asking the the moderator it's a real game show like 20 people production you know they got they they yeah. they do it live, kinda, they got different people come in, buzzer, you know. And um I was like, Does this like, exist in English? And they're like, No, it's just no. And then because no, Germany's yeah. so dense, they they actually meet up live and they have these, you know, live listener meetups and yeah, it's just a it's a neat community that actually because they're it's so big in such a small area, it's they can do some really neat things. So anyways, I'm just in corner of my eye, I see these four Germans podcasting. I got the right shirt. Yeah. Can you see that? Y- yes. That's perfect. So so let's jump that's right perfect. into... NASDAR. Now, yeah, we can we can talk about some of the alchemy episodes we did, too, because that's all sure. fresh in my mind, because um, I'm, like, rehashing it in my mind, like, the whole... I just did a video uh, on the history of alchemy, for instance. You can see that on the YouTube channel. And it is kind of neat to look back after five years and be like, wow, I, I learned so much more, you know, in five years than when we just scratched the surface and we're kind of, like, confused we every episode, because... like... Ah, I don't understand. Like, I, like I can, I can basically tell you what philosophic mercury and philosophic sulfur are now, with like with a pretty good, like pretty straightforward like de- definition. Right. And I, and like I remember, we're just like, why? But like, wait a minute. But like, you know. Anyways, uh, that's you know the other thing we talked about on podcasting was Bohemian, which is you know history and culture of the Czech Republic, and um that kind of came out of us living there really. Now I remember we're not gonna go through each episode episode you know episode by episode but I remember we did start off by talking about the underground and like my experience experience as a ghost tour I think but also just kind of some some broad history of yeah the underground was really like Charles the fourth raised up the city so there that, that's a good like for Czech Republic history you have to know Charles the fourth we've Rudolf the second but you know that's yeah. when when the capital was of the capital of the holy roman empire was in prague was you know those emperors and and then you know charles the fourth is like charles bridge charles T- Karlstein, stein uh Car- charles square charles university um so yeah the and then the defenestrations of prague which were coming up on the anniversary here right i don't we are. not I, I forget uh, 16, exactly 1620 yeah. Uh, so, 1618 was the Defenestration. 1620 was Battle of White Mountain. That's what, that's what you're thinking of. Yeah. So that's actually actually that's interesting right? too. We're close to the 400 years. I know Zach Twomley is. Uh, I gave him one of our Defenestration shirts. I think before you Defenestrate, we're like one of our most popular merch shirts out there. Uh, we have a new design, by the way, for that. So we actually had a graphic designer work yeah. up a Defenestration. It's really, like it's really good. Kicked out it's of the Really window. good. We, I, I know we did episodes on that too. I don't want to like jump around too much. What I want to say is because right now I'm working on, uh, Rudolf the second time and we recorded hours. I think we did like part on Bohemian. It's a two-parter. two parter. Two yep. two parter. And we've also done hours on people that were in Prague at the time, like Tycho Brahe and Johannes Kepler. Um, and then again, when we were in Nuremberg six months ago, we heard about, that time period, those astronomers and calendar makers and everything of Nuremberg when we pushed up the hill. That should be a past access episode. <laughs> that's
2: definitely – it is. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. So that's all interesting. Instead, we just cracked a beer. What's, uh, one of the first episodes we did that was just a blast was episode four. We called it Nostra V, Beer in Bohemia. Now, yeah, let me let me lump a couple of four? topics together here. We talked about – we did one okay. on Budweiser, Budweiser. We did one on Pilsner, mm-hmm. and we did one on uh, – you did a pub crawl. I think I wasn't I, – yeah. I, I, I just had a cameo in there. You actually, like, went bar to bar and had folks like with, McGuffey. With and, our cold Canadian Mac McGuffey. Yeah, yep. we – we uh, went to
2: a bunch of these. What did yeah. we talk
1: in Nostra V? Did we just – that was like more the generic um, culture. So we know like the highest per capita consumption of yeah. beer we We, talk, the we talked of, about
2: of the, the beer aspect of, of having uh, – you needed to have a um, a royal sort of edict to be able to brew beer. So I mean, we really would get yeah. went into – uh, the medieval aspect of, of why beer is important here. I know and, we, we mentioned uh, the, the Beer Communist Purity Regimes. Act,
1: and then later, yeah, exactly, the nationalization of the, that's right, under communism, all the breweries got nationalized, yeah. put into, you know, five-year plans, bigger, better efficiency, bigger frag factories. The Budweiser plant in Chesky Budyavice is still, it's this huge factory, um, state-owned, like, since communism. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of a culture here. They call it liquid Dark bread. Tours. That's, that's something you have to understand. Uh, if you listen to History of Germany, you, if you listen to Bohemian, you'll definitely, whether you like it or not, you'll learn a little bit about beer for sure. Uh, Pilsen is... All the citizens came together, founded a brewery, and, you know, invested together. Just fascinating. We did one called... Oh, okay. I see episode six was a backpacker's guide to Eastern Europe. That's my... Yeah, you might Australian know something about story, that one. Exactly. Which I just made a video of. That's actually like episode one on the YouTube channel, episode two on the... Basically episode one on the podcast. Um, If you if you haven't seen that yet, I talk about the time where I go to... I almost get kidnapped by Russian separatists. Almost. And yeah, it, like... I made a video of it just, just recently, just a couple of months ago, because I could show maps and I've dug up the old photos from that trip from like 2005 when I was like 23 years old. And so, I, you know, kind of a slideshow and me talking and um, yeah, I, I'm knitting in a suit for some reason in the video, but that's it's very surreal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's out there. But uh, yeah, it's like my my, the time I went to the Ukraine as a Yiddish interpreter, even though I don't officially speak Yiddish and just... Great stuff. I didn't know a country existed. Moldova, who knew? Um, <laughs> yeah, now, we talked about... Episode, episode 7 was Jewish Prague.
2: Yes, we we did a couple shows on, on Jewish Prague.
1: Exactly. Now, which one was... I don't remember what we talked about right from the get-go. Maybe Rabbi Lowe, maybe the Jewish cemetery, and uh, Gollum, the Jewish quarter. Yeah. Traditions. The Jewish quarter kind of laid near... is always, like, near to my heart, like... I I think it's the best part of Prague. It's because it's a living um, museum, outdoor museum. Yeah, It's just kind of like Prague wouldn't be Prague without the Jewish quarter. It's just kind of like, I wish I lived there. I wish I was in that community more. It was just really, really interesting history. Um, And I think that's the first time we really, like, that's why we made it. It's it's like the first 10 episodes is instantly talking about that. Um, Rabbi Lowe is just, you know, Rabbi Lowe was himself a pretty, just conservative, but mainstream, you know, revivalist of Ju- Judaism, but he often gets lumped into a, as a Kabbalist, which he was not, as right. a mystic, because because he did meet with Rudolf II, who was very mystical. Into, Much uh, a mystic, know, exactly. Yeah, um, had, Albert, you know, alchemy lab in his chambers, and, you know, was into horoscopes and stuff, so... Um, yeah, that, and they did meet, uh, so that, that's kind of like, he gets this reputation after his death, but Rabbi Lowe is a really interesting character. If you're, if you're into like, uh, the history of Judaism, then he was just one of the revivalists that, you know, Judaism was kind of on his way out and he was really, he had his, he was an, he was a, he was an idealist in a way, like really into ethics and morals and was like, no, we need to, you know, we need to bring it back and we we do need to study Hebrew and, um, just very conservative in a way is one way you could categorize him, but yeah, um, yeah. Jewish Prague is definitely not our only. Even in history of Germany, I talked about. Well, I'm about to do talk about Yiddish, but I talked about anti-Semitism pretty thoroughly, if I say so myself. Like, I think it was like an hour and forty five minutes or something. And I really, I went back from like the the Middle Ages and blood libel and all that to sure. the Holocaust, um, and 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 what Judaism is today, and in, in my experience growing up in Munich. So, but this is and it's related uh the hitler preserved one thing we said on episode seven bohemican is that hitler himself uh other jewish quarters like warsaw and berlin and were just demolished or bombed at just a side effect from the war uh, but not the one in prague and hitler himself gave the order to preserve it as a museum for a lost race and so it's like weird it is a living museum and it's like I'm going to state a fact now. I'm not going to give it a value judgment, but it is like, thanks to Hitler. Yeah. I, you know? I think there's like, a lot to, and yeah. like, okay, moving on. Like, I a don't want to,
2: weird situation.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. But, um, like, yeah. but they, yeah, he had them all, all the other ones destroyed. He's like, no, this one we're going to keep as a, you know, and he thought it in like a negative way, you know, the, the old, Alt Neuschule, the synagogue from like the 12th, 13th century, really old, you know, um, one of the oldest synagogues in the world, really. Um, and it's it's just, yeah, and it's there because the Nazis didn't tear it down. It was at the mercy of, just, okay. Anyways, moving on, like that's, yeah. Right, right. Um, no, we we did a couple episodes on the Jewish history of Prague for sure. Yeah. Uh, we we took a look at the book Checks in a Nutshell and then we compared that to our own. So Checks in a Nutshell is a fantastic book where just like in, in one to two pages, one to, maybe like four pages, it just like gives you like, Václav Havel and gives you a little bit of blurbs and beer and Slivovice, you know, plum, plum brandy and um, Christmas carp, you know, these really stereotypical when people think Czech, they think of like, you know, Slivovice, you know, pork, cabbage, whatever. And yeah. <laughs> there's these little blurbs of like Czech history, but really on point, like um, the guy that wrote it, I forget his uh, the name now, but um, he's not Czech. So he sees it as a foreigner. I think he has a Czech wife or something, uh, you know, and he's. It's from a diverse a different Yeah, lens. I think he's Dutch, he's look So lens, he's kind maybe. of the same as us. He sees it from with foreign eyes but he's really into it and everything he said you could just like, oh yeah, that, you know, it's totally true. Truth with a capital T. And we kind of compared some of those stereotypes to what we know, hockey and, you know, all these different things. Sure. And, of course, we've also used that on a source, checks in a Nutshell, as, like, or at least, like, inspiration for ideas for whole topics. You know, the next one or two two down the road is, like, Sokol, you know. But, okay. Um... Yeah. The Knights Templar in Prague. We've also done Knights Templar history of alchemy.
2: We, yeah, we did a video of that too. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, check out the right.
1: YouTube channel. Yes.
2: It's one of our first ones actually.
1: Oh, Cause um, I was still living yeah. there. Right. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. it was, oh.
2: it was, it was, it was three days before you left. You remember how cold it was? It was freezing. We're like, dude, we got to do this before you go back to California. So yeah, we had, we got it done. Um, yeah, the templars is uh, a very interesting situation because there there is still some mystery to it. There were only maybe two or three locations in Prague that were significant. Um, and uh, there's only one place now that still has a couple uh, leftover signs near the old Judith Bridge, well, which all, is now the Charles Bridge.
1: All three have signs that they were there, but, yeah. but it's, it's like a street name. Less templarska exactly. the alleyway or and right. so apparently you, uh, the basements would might be different you know like if you're an archaeologist it's still significant and we do know where they are and you know they were on my tours and stuff but yeah the sure. you know the black madonna it's like okay you know that's literally a statue from the 20s like from cubism
2: embedded into a cubist building exactly yeah yeah, yeah. But, oh but yeah.
1: great story i mean great legends you know like great great history yeah, yeah, there
2: right right on the street it, as you're heading down to old town
1: yep mm-hmm. let there's a templarska alley so you can see it on you can find it on google maps there's house of the black madonna right there and we i you know on my tours we did this whole like dan brown thing like oh let's see where she's looking at let's follow her gaze <laughs> walk this way follow yeah. the red umbrella you know oh, you're great. basically
2: tom hanks that's who you were you were tom hanks that's right that's right, and right, right tom, hey.
1: guys i think we got it. we have 90 minutes then what? I don't get paid there's, anymore.
2: There's, I'm going a, home. there's, there's an albino monk
1: chasing us. Uh, oh that's right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we we took a look at a couple of larger than life. Well, literally, like St. uh St. Nepomuk. Uh, you know, one was a martyr that was thrown over the bridge as kind of a Part of the counter-reformation against the Hussites or, you know, some against the Reformation maybe, you know, kind of made a made-a-saint, made-a-martyr, a, about, a yeah, Catholic yeah, martyr. Yeah. And then,
2: we talked about Jan Hus. Yeah.
1: Well, Wenceslaus yeah. the good king, that's just an episode I'd recommend. It's kind of the, one of the founding fathers of Bohemia. It's a larger-than-life figure because he's, like, one of the first Christian kings of, like, 10th, 11th century, right, right. when, you know, pagan Slavs were, you know, he's part of that movement. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting the first Destination episode, is it the first one? Do you remember? Um,
2: it might have been... I'm trying to remember if we, we did Kootenahora on that first one. I'm not no. sure. What, do you know which one it was?
1: Yeah. And it, to me, it's like, I, I didn't know, but now looking at it, I'm like, it couldn't be any other one.
2: Yeah. Boy, I've been to Kootenahora a thousand times. I know. That's uh, a good guess.
1: That was our third it's, one. So the first one was, was Krim- Chesky Krumlov. Yeah? Oh, Chesky Krumlov. Yeah, okay. like the fairy tale yes. cast. I know it was burning up on my bohemian yeah. list like i was like <gasps> yeah was, you know i haven't been i have not i'm not that well traveled within Ch- uh, Bohemia and moravia as you are but Jessica krumlov is one of the places i went back to i was there like the first month in prague and i was there probably five six times now like it's one of the places i just like i I, I need that UNESCO in my life. world
2: heritage site exactly yeah. oh it's and a it's,
1: fairy tale it's like it's beautiful it's almost like a moat around the town overlooked by a castle uh, part yeah. of uh not Eurotrip, uh, Hostel. This horror movie was filmed oh, there. Oh, you know.
2: It was filmed there, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's
1: a couple of movies that were, yeah, like yeah. Brothers Grimm, I believe you see. Uh, it's the Rosen- yeah. Rosenberg Castle, which there was an alchemist well, yeah, lab in Chesky Krumlov.
2: There's, there's a photographer on Flickr. I can't remember his name right now. But he, he had taken some old um, Kodachrome photographs in the late 70s, back okay. when communism was still kicking, of Chesky Krumlov. And um, they are amazing because the place looks dilapidated. It hadn't been gentrified like it is now, where you have these green, you know, little boutiques and great restaurants and new paint on everything and, and new cobblestone. It, it's it's history, but it's also had a facelift. I don't want to say it's been disnified, but it's it looks awesome. really fresh now. In the seventies, it, 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 yeah, yeah. it was rough, yep. and, and yep. it looked like it was in the Middle Ages. I mean, there were still some old buildings that were falling apart. It was the crumbling. Paint was chipping and off the yeah, walls. The, yeah. Um, so it's yeah. cleaned up. It's But almost, it was
1: really cool. Yeah. I love it. I don't think it's too over the top. You know, it's just kind of if you don't if you don't know what it looked like under communism, then yeah. I mean. Anyway, okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, like just do a Google Maps, a Google Images thing of. Krumlov, Krumlau in German, you'll, it's just great. Um, in South Bohemia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We talked about Sokol, which I never, I'm not sure I ever quite sold you on the idea of, so Sokol is this massive gymnastics movement that happened in the turn of the century and really had its peak in the first, You know, right after independence, after World War I, had its peak in the 20s, 30s. and I, And I think people already like mentally shut down as I said that when they, when i say massive gymnastics movement they shut down there's two things that in my mind uh caused or really were two contributors of czech independence from the austrians besides world war one okay already before that was happening it was hockey where people are like oh like when the czechoslovakia beat the soviet union wow that was deaths followed that match okay like that was yeah. that that important in like 1978 or something under communism, they they beat their overlords. Well, they also beat Austria-Hungary turn of the century in hockey, and that became the first like. Um, but also Sokol, it was the first they had to act, even the military terms like they would meet and it'd be like cadets and they would meet in platoons or whatever and you know they'd do these joint Dr- uh, during the first ju- world war you know, line they line up would in stadiums these, yeah. hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or whatever broke yeah. world records all the time. And you see it on the old newspapers, there's, you know, restaurants like Sokolovna, you could see, uh, you know, the old newspaper trimmings of just these hundreds of Czechs doing like calisthenics or, you know, doing gymnastics and, you know, it's like weird uh, but it also really did contribute to their in, uh, independence. And then once they're independent, they really grasped onto it as like, this is a Czech thing. And it was a really big movement of just like nationwide. It was kind of like, and it related to like our Boy Scouts movement, you know, you'd have like yeah. Sokol troop, troops going camping and do, it just like really, really neat. There's still the Sokol swimming pool, which was the closest one to my place where I lived. Was think, there. think of it like, think of it like Boy Scouts meets YMCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah y- it's a little bit of YMCA exactly. community center. Maybe yeah and totally it's like some sort every of village had a suckle exactly. every village yeah. had a and you still see it it's like gymnasium you know and they'll say like you know tiny village name here Sokol, you know whatever exactly it
2: is. and they would also if you ever go to a vfw you know a veterans of foreign foreign wars uh you know pub uh, or bar in america you kind of got the idea of what a Sokol sort of pub would be now now keeping in mind with all that yeah. which was really interesting was yeah. that these were the first things that um, overlords, either the uh, Third Reich when they came in or the Soviets when they came in um, to take things over. They were the first things that people were like, OK, I need to know who's on that list of the so-called movement so I can track them um, or we disband them. Because you're right, yeah. Trav, it was an issue of
1: yeah, Czech communists then kind of forced it like, OK, mm-hmm. we're going to all get together. And while there's communist music blaring, we're going to do jumping jacks. And people were like, oh, you know what? Yeah. like i'm done and yeah, it, it's, it's over it, like our generate my generation you know is like no that's the old grandparent it's the old communists that do that and i'm like no but their grandparents oh you know i'm like yeah. no there's and a reason uh, why
2: people when you go into a check bar if you know somebody in there you go nasdar yep that's right? a,
1: exactly yep exactly that's a so, so-called kind of like a word. what's up <laughs> Yep. yeah um, let's see, we did, okay, Jan Hus, I know that was, that's just a, the, the 100 it. years before <laughs> Martin Luther, um, was Jan yeah. Hus and the Hussite Wars and the first real, it's the first like tolerated Protestant religion in Europe where the, right. there was actually a peace treaty after the Hussite Wars and the Pope said, okay, you know, this is Hussite, this is Catholic. And that was the first time where it's like, oh, heretics are allowed to live, it's heretics to are tolerated, yeah, exactly. you know, allowed to exist. And another way of putting it is all of Europe had a crusade against Bohemia and Bohemia fricking held their own. Like, yeah. you know, eventually they came to the negotiating table. It wasn't that one sided, but it's like, yeah, um, they gave the Swedes enough leeway to later, you know, be like, hey, we're going to kind of, you know, we're far enough away, too. And a, lot, a bunch of countries kind of broke off. um, Henry the 8th was yeah even a little you know Martin Luther Henry the you know so 100 years later it's really bam um but yeah not the first there was the uh, Cathars that were all slaughtered the uh uh John Wycliffe you know who was posthumously <laughs> sure you know bur- you know his corpse was burned as a heretic so yeah but Jan Hus was the first successful movement where they actually held their own and um I think we came back and discussed the Hussite wars and all that but um um, no, let's let's move on. Um, I mean, yeah, Hos yeah, that's gonna you know listen to uh, that's the second defenestration of Prague, I guess. But uh, uh, Zach Twomley's gonna cover that again, and um, you know. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's coming up here the the 400 years. Now we did a couple of episodes here. I'm gonna lump a couple in here, but we did one on the Vampire Graveyard. We did one and on. Right. Uh, Witch Burning, which was our Easter one. And then we did, it must have been October 19th. Yeah, I was thinking it must be our Halloween one. I'm looking at one called Czech Witches, Dungeons, Vampires, and the Occult, um, where we also mixed, like, by the way, you know, Prague was a golden age for Kabbalists. Uh, Prague was a golden age for, like, astrologers and soothsayers and, you know, alchemy charlatans, you know, so it was uh, like there was this whole. street magic component of, you know, this mystical Prague that I think most people don't know about because people don't, if they hear Czechoslovakia, they think Soviet Union. I don't know what people think, you know, maybe they think good beer. Maybe we're to the point 2018 where they go Pilsner, right? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) maybe. I don't, but I think, you know, f- from my, like, ghost tour days and, you know, now history of alchemy and stuff, it's like, yeah, oh, it was compared to Munich, uh, where they burned all these heretics. Rudolf really did, like, there was a, it was a known thing that if you're doing up, if you're up to something kind of shady that the Pope might not like, go to Prague. That was, right. that, that definitely was a that thing. That was your safe haven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we do have... You know, history of magic, history of, you know, but also like the Inquisition, not Inquisition per se, but like um, Jesuits and there was witch trials and witch burnings. And um, they still do this in effigy as part of like this spring tradition. You know, so it was an Easter episode, too. Um, but yeah, there's that there's some videos out there, too. I know we did one on witch burnings where we actually. That was that. Uh, yeah, we have one. Or you were visiting. We, you were visiting. I was, gonna I say, I was to visiting, our visiting our or something. Hodo, and we yeah. went down to the south, local south, south
2: of Prague, and, and we went to, to the uh Nizza, which is what they call it, which which burning, uh festival, and basically it was just a, an opportunity for people to get beer, roast bratwurst and a lot of places now have finally come around the idea, and I kind of feel sympathetic to this because um, if you are a student of history, you know that this was, you know, just about a genocidal issue. Yeah. Of I mean, killing people for the sake of witchcraft yeah. um, and uh, it's a black stain on on Europe in that sense and on of course North America we had a little taste but that's of that's not so. how
1: they see it they still no. see it as like
2: well, it, well that's the thing these people are now starting to say they yeah. don't burn the witch in effigy they just burn a bonfire and they dance around it with you know pagan sort of rituals as their pagan connections it's a yeah. sense of, of ushering yeah. out the winter months and bringing in the summer and, and spring and so they like to keep it more of the natural focus. Um, but uh, up until this point, really the traditional way of doing Cerro de Nizza is stu- stuffing a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Kids dressing up as witches and ghosts. And you put this witch in effigy and you put it on top of a, of a funeral pyre, basically, and you light it on fire like the good old days. Um I, you know, I could definitely see why that does, you know, in a, today's political um, climate, you probably want to alter that. <laughs> and I, I, I don't disagree with it, actually. I think it's a good idea to kind of not kind of celebrate the idea of burning people alive because that was uh, because a bad time.
1: it's, yeah, yeah. And like today we have the idea of like, if there still were pagans, okay, like there's neo-pagans and stuff, uh, including some of my friends kind of identify as, you know, Wiccan or whatever. Like, I don't want to but but i kind of see that as a little bit separate than actually like the saxons massacring you know sure. pagans every year like sure. I, I see that as a different sort of they are massacring different things or the uh, the baltic crusades like the prussians and stuff like the Teutonic knights i see that as like horrible you know atrocities against you know crimes of humanity sort of things if that was today um yeah. it's like muslims stumping out kurds or something so yeah, like but for a thousand years it was just kind of like oh this was what we did this was our history and we acknowledge it in burning the effigy every year and it's just kind of like in today's world, yeah and then kind of like now looking at it with fresh eyes you're like wait a minute you know we we yeah, wouldn't so, we wouldn't like burn a gypsy we wouldn't like burn someone that's exactly. like hindu but yeah. uh they might in the middle ages or you know so so it's kind of like wait we might there was, okay, wait a minute, you know, like, let's, let's stop this. Like if, if, if there was witches alive today, you got to look at it with fresh eyes going like, let them be, you know, let them be their religion. Let's learn about it. So yeah, um, it's changing. There, there was definitely a very strong, uh, tradition of, of this in, in the past. And, and I know it from Bavaria too, growing up, they burned a huge bonfire and, you know, there's the maypole thing, which is, it's a fertility festival. You know how a maypole, are people people aware of this? Like it is like a purely sexual, like as a kid, every year you go to one of the suburbs, it'd be like three suburbs of Munich would erect maypoles. And it's from this old pagan tradition. Then you run around the maypole and that's the, you know, there's a lot of beer flowing. And that's where, you know, when the young boys and girls go, go off into the woods and be fertile come back pregnant basically like that's that's the idea same with lighting that huge bonfire it was like a chase the, just like you said it perfectly like chase the winter away and by the way go screw in the woods anyways um, oh the good old days the good old days yeah uh we 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 did a couple episodes on what i want to mention for those that have never listened to the bohemican podcast because it's just such a weird thing is the yara zimmerman zimmerman uh yeah. Yeah, Jaroslav Zimmerman, Um the most popular
2: man in Czech Republic and by the way he does not exist.
1: Yeah. I was like I think you you gave that away too soon. It's like I know. It was like the Washington is, is the he, Lincoln. He's the great yeah. liberator. He invented, you know, he's the <laughs> the Franklin and Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla of the Czech Republic. And by the way, completely fictional.
2: Yeah. You know? And he never did any of those things. Yeah. Uh, the the thing the thing is is that But what is real?
1: Yeah, You you see those plaques around, yeah.
2: The the people put up plaques and and house and and things, saying things. Yara Zimmerman slept here. It's a tongue-in-cheek issue of uh, in the best kind of Czech tradition of of Czech humor, okay? Um, It's a sense that this guy, people would say this guy did all these great things, uh, but either he was forgotten or at the last minute there was a problem and he didn't get the, get it patented, his, his, yep. his great ideas, or um, someone so stopped him to, yeah. doing something just in time. Um, but yet he's remembered and adored. And, of course, there's many plays about him. Um, there will be a video for a Bohemican at some point because I did this about two years ago uh, where I got to see the only Jana Zimmerman play done in English by an acting troupe in Prague. That's um, cool. yeah. so, uh, you know, I, we'll, we've had the time. I'll see if I can put it together, but big fan of Yara Zimmerman because I think it's a, it's a very Czech thing. And as an, a foreigner, by knowing that you already get a little bit of street cred here by people saying, Oh, you know, Yara Zimmerman. Oh, fucks. Really? You know? And, 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 uh, you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, we should, um, I should, I should,
1: I should write down like, we need a Yara Zimmerman merch shirt.
2: Yo, that's a great idea. I got it. Um, I,
1: it just came to, like, how do we not have yeah.
2: that? And and the thing is it's a best kept secret because Czechs just don't like to divulge these nice little tidbits of information. Um and so no one around the world knows who this fictional guy is. But it's such an Czech, inside you know joke. If is.
1: you're not Czech, they're not even gonna, you know yeah. they have to wanna like you and the wanna way- like induct you into like Czech culture to bring it up. Yep. But you know, you'll be at a restaurant and be like, you know, it's like Jan Zimmerman had Svichkova here in, you know, eighteen sixty six. And by the yeah. way, the restaurant's was built in 19, you know, like, it, it, you know, there's yeah. no, it, it just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. But, but the, the cool thing on a
2: political level with Yada Zimmerman is that the plays that were written in the sixties when the Prague spring was getting kicking into gear and there was this pushback against the socialism uh, and the communism of, uh, of che- Czechoslovakia, these plays in their Czech humor would be allowed to be played on the radio and on records. So when people yep. would have parties, yep. they would bring a Yarder Zimmerman record over. It reminds it me table. of the
1: good soldier Schweik as a exactly. way to get around censors, you know? So you got, the, if everyone or, knows what the jokes mean, but yes,
2: against the communists and it's yep. okay to do it. But the communists have no idea. So they just kind of let it go. Yep. Think about it in the sense of, you know, the not ready for primetime players. If you're old enough, you know what I'm talking about. When NBC put out Saturday night live for the very first, first two years. Okay. It was uh, an avant-garde thing that just never happened, a live broadcast with that. And it was done in the sense that people would have parties where they would come over on Saturday night at 10 o'clock, start drinking, and then watch Saturday Night Live and just have a great time together. That's what people were doing with Yadda's Amendment Records or around the radio. So it had a cultural connection.
1: Yep. Um, Yeah, and 100 years or, you know, years, two generations before that, you could make jokes about the Kaiser as long as it was like good soldier Schweik. you know, it was exactly, and yeah, and, yeah it's kind of documented there. In fact, why don't we jump to the next episode, which is kind of related uh, to what you were just mentioning, which is the Velvet Revolution, the end of communism. Sure. when you know, Literally a hundred thousand yep. people plus were filled the streets from, from old town square to Wenceslas square, which is Peacefully. all of downtown. Yeah. A peaceful. West. Yeah. West. Bloodless West. sort Smooth. of.
2: Yeah. Um, now, if you have, I don't see if I have something. Yep, I got them right here. What is that? Okay, that's what people were doing on Wichita Square.
1: Oh, okay. All right, you're there's right.
2: keys. Now, what that means is the keys, keys for change. So, yeah. if you talk to a check, you know, again, if if you talk to a check that's 20 years old, they may not have any idea about what you're talking about. But if you talk to somebody that's more my age or in their late 30s. They have a faint memory or older of mm-hmm. that event. It mm-hmm. was surreal. If you go to to Winchester Square,
1: oh, I asked top, everybody, everybody that yeah. was over my uh, older than me, because I, I I was remember. at the Berlin Wall, but I was seven years old. You know, like, but yeah. I was there with a hammer and yeah. chisel. Everybody older, than, so I could instantly judge it. Like, okay, I know how old you were. Um, and I, you know, I was an English teacher, and I asked all my students, like. <gasps> Where were you? What did you do? Did you go down there? You know, and, and I, some people are like, I was totally on their side, but I had young kids. And so I stayed at home. Or sure. I someone's like, yeah, are you because, kidding me? I was there, well, you know, because like,
2: some people remember uh, Prague Spring and they remembered the retaliation yeah, 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 after 68. Yep. Yeah. And so they, so a lot of people were but, saying, don't you dare go down there, but, but there was also some did. people
1: said there was a different feeling in the air. Like it was yeah. like everyone knew, like it was too much. You saw what was happening in Hungary and Germany. So the, the news was coming in. And then, yep. you know, yeah. And, it was, and today, if oh, you go down
2: to Winchester Square and you go to the now almost completely renovated National Museum on the top of the hill, which will be open again, I think, in three more months. It's been closed for eight years yeah. for renovations. But if you go to the top there, that's where Václav Havel, who was got out of jail and became uh, the political figurehead of this movement. He yep. was on top of that balcony looking over tens of thousands yep. of people shaking their keys saying, we want change. We want change. Um, as an American, you you get chills up your spine because when you see people fighting for that freedom, you go, wow, that's, that's what yeah. it's supposed to all be about yep. right there. That's yep. what it's all supposed to be about. That's democracy. A lot of us get, that's democracy. Some, some of us get a little lazy when we think, oh, yeah. we've always grown up and had this. Uh, But, you know, that concept is what two bits of trivia I can't
1: pass up is when Václav Havel was on that balcony. That was 40 years to the day after Clement Gottwald, the first communist, stood in that exact same spot and announced the beginning of communism. So that like that was like symbolic. Uh, And the crowd was 10 times bigger for Havel. You know, it was like, really? And then also unrelated, that's above where Franz Kafka's bookstore was. So, the you know, Franz Kafka embodies yep. the frustration of being a Czech Jew under German control, uh, Austrian, you know, living in Austria-Hungary. And like, oh, man, like that, that, that building. I know a ghost story about that building, too. It's the, it's the uh, Kinsky Palace is what it's called. But it's where the National Gallery is. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, like, go listen to the Bohemian podcast. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, have mercy on you this time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, that's now. We've done a couple episodes on he- Reinhard Heinrich, um, the assassination, the a couple different ones, actually, because I've been out to like Tepl- a- Lidice. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so we okay, we did a couple yeah. shows on Lidice and the raising of that town. When I say raising, I mean completely taking up. Every foundation, up the killing, uprooted the killing, trees. I mean, yeah, uprooted the trees. They they dug up the graveyards. Yeah. It was Hitler's frustration for the assassination attempt of Operation Anthropoid. Yeah. Um, that happened uh, that killed um, uh, Heydrich. And Heydrich, now, in
1: my mind. Yeah. World's worst you, Nazi.
2: World's worst Nazi. Think and about and that for a second. The smartest. He was the smartest Nazi. Yeah. Most okay. brutal, had the Quite worst far.
1: plans. Had If you read about what he wanted— he was proposing genocide for 50 percent of the Czech population. Yep. So, I mean, he wanted to kill yeah. all slobs. He well, wanted see, to his, go beyond Jews. Even. Yeah, like his, it was... his
2: viewpoint, like we mentioned in this podcast, was that once he got rid of the Jewish population, the Jewish question, that it also, by the way, included the gypsies, the homosexuals and the right. disabled. Yeah. Um, he was the one that set the time schedules for the trains so that they could send out more. More people to the death camps to be exterminated. So he was he one was of the extremely intelligent and um, gave the whole thing yes, teeth. Like exactly, I'll say this way: his um, pure evil that he had was backed up that he could actually pull this stuff off. And his viewpoint was was that listen we can push the we can push the Czechs closer towards the Russians if we want to, because we're going to win this war. I think we're going to win this, is what his thought process was. But he says, you know, sooner or later, we're going to have to kill off the Slavic Czechs anyway. Um, so yep. we might as well start the process sooner than later. Uh, but we do need them for slave labor. So let's just get it through the war effort, win the war, and then yeah. we can proceed with the extermination of the Czechs as well. But he was like, and a, like,
1: deportation won't help if you're after mm-hmm. world domination. I was like... That's cold blooded. Yeah. Like that's like his, his viewpoint. Was,
2: we will be taking over Russia. This will happen. Yeah. Third Reich will be all over Europe, and then we can have our way with the, yeah. the races we don't want. Yeah. So his his assassination, even though some people at the time looked at it as a folly that brought forth much more brutality from from the Third Reich, you have to look at it as you'll see with the movie Anthropoid that came out a few years ago in in the states. Yeah. Um, as a very po- important uh, assassination because it showed that the Czechs weren't going to lay down.
1: And it was done and by Czech. Yeah, exactly. Like Czech paratroopers, yeah. just like from beginning to end, it's a crazy, crazy story. Um, I like I've seen the bullet holes and you know, that, that yeah. church in the, the church. and exactly. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, it, very close, uh, uh, to the dancing house. It's on the way to the dancing house, right. to the more modern building by the Vlatava river.
1: Yep. But, uh, we, we I, was a did... I was at an Orthodox wedding in that church, actually. That yeah. church, yeah. 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 It's an operational church. Yeah. They, um,
2: there is a. Uh, we did a review of the movie Anthropoid that came out in two thousand seventeen
1: or sixteen, I think. I think yeah. it was sixteen. So if you're if you're interested, we you actually yeah. have to look for two different episodes on the Bohemian thing. One we looked at the assassination and and like Lidice, and then we reviewed the movie kind of and talked about yeah. it some more. So pretty well covered. Yep. You know, so to go from that, let's talk about something nice. Did you know that? The city of Pilsen and Western Bohemia was liberated by American U.S. soldiers in World War II, despite what, for generations, the communists would have you believe and was actually illegal to teach in school or even to say publicly, um, And then, which was the fact that the U.S., with their jeeps and tanks and whatever, came through and were hailed as liberators in Pilsen, of all, you know, the big beer city. Um, yep. did you know that Pete, I bet you didn't know that so you, you strike know. me I, as kind of more we, on the ignorant we, side we of things. We only and, did
2: like three, three
1: shows and two videos. <laughs> so we we've covered the topic. That's still <laughs> one of my favorite videos. We, so we actually interviewed just, just for a minute, you know, we interviewed, uh, Helen Patton, the granddaughter of general Patton. Like we just saw her and was like, <gasps> we, we, we,
2: interviewed a, a, a um, an 80 year old, uh, um, uh, former Natural, soldier that, from, that was, from, yep. from Belgium. Uh, yep. because remember the Belgian forces were part of this Third Army Division of the United States Tank Division. So that's right. Um, they, they also get credit too for coming in to liberate. Yep. And um, it was amazing. We to talked see to a couple that, American vets, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm. I hate to say that probably gone by now because that was only four years ago, and they were already in their I 90s. Know. Yeah. Um, I lost my grandparents in the, gen- you know, their generation are gone in my family, but yeah. uh, that were all World War II. I, vets. I
1: have to say, so I don't forget. I, I was wearing my grandfather's jacket. When we went mm-hmm. to Pilsen, my grandfather, one grandfather fought in Europe in the European theater, and one in the Pacific. And I was actually wearing the the infantry uh, uniform from my grandfather who fought in the Pacific. So it wasn't quite. It, w- it was a little bit weird, but I actually felt that it was a little bit better. I don't know. I but, I don't... but you, you guys you got some grief too
2: because there, there were some um,
1: reenactors
2: there that were looking at you saying that you were out of uniform because you had a beard. Right. And like everyone in, there was sh- like, and they were kind of, of pissy
1: about things. And I was like, hey, whoa, 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 this is, yeah. And then, but then, you know, they're like, hey, that's a real uniform, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's my grandfather. And they shut right the hell up. But yeah, and <laughs> kind of also like saying like, hey, you're disrespecting that uniform a little because you ain't, you know, you're not, you're not shaved soldier. And uh, it exactly. was these and checks trying it, to be a drill sergeant seriously. at me. They yeah. take
2: it very seriously, which is actually very appreciated uh, because it's, it's their way to to say thank you to the American forces after all these years. Because, Travis, yeah. you were right. For many years, the communist regime here um, just denied it that ever happened. Yeah. Uh, and so um, after the Velvet Revolution, I want to say 1992 or 3, they started this every year, and they have not stopped. Mm-hmm. Every year they have a celebration. Uh, they call it the the Liberation Tour that goes from um, the, the borders of Austria – and uh, yep. um, and, she, and South Bohemia. So we were there on the,
1: the 70th. Mills. We were there more than once. We've recovered it more than one year, but we were yep. there on the 70th and they made a big deal out of it. Of course, that's, that's the exactly. year we saw Helen Patton and all that. So, right. Um, so yeah, very cool stuff. So you can see it yourself on the YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, Perfect. I mean, why don't you just go, why don't you just, just go see what we're talking? Why don't you just, yeah, why- since you're finished here, go over there and watch that. I mean, why wouldn't Absolutely. you? just? Now, the next one I got on my list here is we did a talk about Easter almost every year. We talk about Halloween almost every year because that's, that's my holiday. But we also do <laughs> Christmas to the point of there's a curious Czech Christmas book out written by Pete Coleman. And uh, yeah, I, I threw Stout. in my two cents yep. on uh, that, one of the yeah, carp recipes of mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, let's talk
2: about the recipes. This is funny. Okay, so so let's let's take it back a little bit. Um, Travis and I were like saying, listen, we need to start – you know, making some books because I think people want, want to also read this. And so Travis came out podcast, with
1: the, Nick shop.com. Let me just say yep. podcast, Nick podcast, N I K shop.com. Thanks. All right, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Yeah, dot com. And, and, and so Tra- Travis came out with the alchemy reader, which was a, uh, a, a little booklet about the basics of alchemy. So he was the first one to publish one out the gate on Amazon. And then Somewhere around 2016, I said, you know what? Well, it was on my to-do list in 2016 to get this done. So for about seven weeks, I just powered through with all my notes, and, and Travis and I just kind of hammered this thing out. Um, it It's it's a labor of love. Let's just put it that way. Um, it, but I think it's a, it's a fun book to read. It's got some basic ideas about um, the, the culture, the history from pagan roots to Christian roots and to how, why the Czechs and how the Czechs celebrate Christmas even today, as well as New Year's. So um, it really is a neat, we've done a lot of sh- neat shows about it um, uh, with my kids. You'll, you'll, you know, we've done stuff with them, but now you have a book as an option too. Mm-hmm. And I hope this is going to be one of several books that we're going to be able to put out. Um, I've been working on a Czech castle book for a couple of years now. I, I would love to get it finished, but. Um, as Travis has mentioned throughout the show, our plates are very full, so we'll see what we can do. Um, yeah. but, uh, we've got some new shows coming out, but uh, that book has to be done sooner than later. So that's on the list. So keep an eye out for that one. But Czech Christmases are very unique from fried carp. Yes, that's right. Fried carp, <laughs> not Christmas Turkey.
1: <laughs> um, no, it's more to, of a, yeah. yeah,
2: to, to, uh, to going to Christmas mass, even though this is the most atheist nation in all of Europe. People still kind of make the efforts to keep somewhat, at least, religion in their sphere mm-hmm. of focus during the Christmas season, um, even if they're not believers. So that's kind of a unique sort of dynamic.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just looking through the list. We got a couple of we covered that a couple of years in a row. So there's, I mean, so that that book also I would say um, it is more broader than just Czech traditions and i mean christmas traditions in czech in the czech republic it's kind of a um like i could relate to some of the things from growing up in bavaria like it's if you're interested in interested in like central european christmas traditions um easter too is another really interesting one that's like even if you have like a polish background or german background czech's different like you know, that's, it's that's, just different. I don't want to change the it's, topic so much, but yeah. I was like, yeah, drinking shots, and whipping <laughs> girls with like these homemade whips, and it was like, like, yeah, if that just shocked you right now, like, go listen to the show because, yeah, it's crazy. Like checks are yeah, that's
2: that, that's a, that's an Easter tradition, but yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's right. It's just so um, different than what so we different. kind of
1: assume. Like the, the neatest <laughs> thing maybe that I would say is with the carp thing is like suddenly you see. These like fish cleaners, like so. I I I love fishing. My grandpa fishes, and I would go out to the coast in Oregon. We'd go out on a boat and you know go halibut fishing and like on you know all day out in the ocean on the Pacific and watch a Dutchman get seasick. Like it's you know like proper fishing <laughs> and. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, come back and clean our own fish and, you know, do the whole or get them canned, like whole nine, whatever, smoke them, um, whole nine yards. And then to see, to be in a landlocked country and to see on every street corner, this like tub of live carp. And there's a guy standing there that'll like, he knows how to gut clean and, you know, fillet a fish and, or you buy it live and put it in your bathtub. And, you know, I'm just like, it's just like, whoa. And then. You know, like you being from kind of like growing up in the South, or or you know, I I consider DC the South. Sue me. Uh, it's really not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Have a, you living in places where there's a strong barbecue culture? Let me put it that way. Yeah. And then see these checks in the springtime, or is that the fall time? That's that. You know, where you see the whole hog. You know, just, you know, out there, and it was like roasted on a spit, and then they butcher it up on the street corner in the capital Sobietska. city. It's like seeing a hog being cut up on every, or, you know, live carp out of buckets, out of barrels being sold on every street corner in, like, Washington, D.C. or Paris. It just doesn't, it just, no. (laughs) Like, it's a health concern, you know? Yeah, and it's it's kind
2: of akin to, and you can understand why people in the United States um, uh, that have Czech heritage, they really embrace it. And it's not like a day and night difference because, you talk to any German uh, person for the United States with German heritage, uh, or Irish or whatever, you know, food is an important part of those communities and also uh, togetherness. And the Czechs do that without any pretense. There's no pretense to it. All right. Yeah. It's it's like you, you they'll invite you over to carve a pig. Who, who am I? Well, you're a stranger just walking by. Come on mm-hmm. over. You know, here's a beer and we're gonna show we're gonna have Someone's gotta eat
1: is, this yeah like it's yeah we got like pork the meat out. you
2: know i'll take the tail please okay here's the tail yeah. you know they use everything by the way there's yeah, nothing yeah. left
1: you'll see think. face yeah um, it's like can i have the face thanks yeah Great. can i get some, <laughs> some cheap <laughs> oh uh, boy yeah it is what it is yeah it, it's true
2: <laughs> should we have had a trigger warning on this podcast for like uh
1: vegans <laughs> probably <laughs> interestingly i've had a couple of conversations with uh, i know a german guy who was vegan he said he had to step back to vegetarian when he moved to prague he's just like it was too hard and and he doesn't so i was giving him uh the restaurants that like gary would take me to you know and i I was like but you can be vegan you have to pick the place you can't just because you know we're laughing like yeah if you go to a restaurant that your friends pick you're eating fried cheese uh, and you can't, you know, that's not even vegan. I, I I know that, you know, but if you get a soup, vegetarian soup, it's not vegetarian. It'll have, or it's definitely not vegan. It'll have, you know, it'll be chicken broth or pork broth. Uh, The salad would have like bacon bits and that's considered completely vegetarian there. Like, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I remember actual vegans just being like, you do not understand. Like, and checks are from the <laughs> other way. Like, what do you mean? No animal protein. Like, yeah. Yeah, we no, will burn you as a witch here on that you know either. like <laughs> no yeah yeah it's just like this total disconnect of like yeah um I, i'm in silicon well, valley to, i would it, say it, most of my colleagues are vegetarian yeah. the majority of my colleagues yeah. are vegetarian sure. a good tr- a, a good yeah. chunk are completely vegan you know and that's exactly. just like surreal well, like, i want I you know.
2: i want you to imagine this if you can't imagine this all right you've got yeah. a 24 year old young lady that's you know, f- coming into her own, but she's 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 looking at life differently because she's now living on her own in the big city of Prague, and um, she comes home for some kind of celebration, um, and the first words out of her mouth are, "Hi, I'm newly vegan." To her babishka, her grandmother, what do you think that conversation is like? And believe me, that conversation's had a lot these days, and they're like they look at you going, "Are you? What are you talking about?" Yeah, I
1: think it's mostly a place of, of confusion and. Yeah. And then,
2: then anger followed by yeah, you know, ridicule, right? Yeah. Oh. And it, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, okay, okay,
1: I won't make you anything. A passive aggress- they, aggressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and we got this, we this, got some I, listeners that have some like old world yeah. babichkas, and like they understand what we're talking about. Exactly. Like, and so, and this is, this happens a lot in these conversations. You'll have your grandmother come up to you and say, "I understand
2: that that you're a vegetarian." I'm like, no, no, vegan. Like, whatever. <laughs> and she'll say, "I made you a sandwich. It's just got chicken on it."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're
2: like, "Oh,
1: yeah, it's only it's, it's, it's like, chicken. It's I don't not think even you It's not even pork." Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's true. That's very accurate. Yeah. I think I, I feel yeah. like that's very realistic. Uh, well, you know, to put this in a more broader terms, there's a there's a generation gap happening. Yeah. So because of the fall of communism is the big cause, really. Um, but I, I when I, when I was first inter- interested in history. And growing up in Munich, I read a lot about um, the generation gap, let's say, of, you know, the kids of the people that were in World War Two in Germany. Right. So, like, I don't want to say like kids of Nazis, but yeah, like kids of soldiers who, you know, fought yeah. Americans or Russians or whatever. And our, our equivalents are baby boomer generation, my parents generation. Right. But imagine yeah. that times like 10, you know, imagine like your dad's a Nazi <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know you so it's not even like you're not coming home with a black girl that's for damn sure you know it's like the the generation gap is gap is so strong so yeah. crazy and and i feel like so i i had czech friends who their parents were anti-communists already like they would sneak in you know rock and roll music and like they were the kids of them so like if they you know, some of those, some of sometimes, and sometimes it was like my parents are total tools, like total bought into the propaganda. But I know what's up. You know, I grew up listening to MTV or watching MTV or whatever. Um, so, which you could maybe even get German TV in Pilsen. You know, like maybe not Prague, but Pilsen, you'd get the the German, the Austrian television or, channels. Or maybe the the women would actually have uh, fashion magazines
2: from uh, West Germany yeah. smuggled in. So they yep. could see what Western fashions yep. were in Czechoslovakia in the early 70s, yeah. but secretly, now, secretly. I
1: remember a buddy telling yeah. wa- telling me about watching BMW commercials in the 80s. Just like everybody's aware that Mercedes exists, BMW exists, and just, you know, but yeah, you know, Marlboro and these, uh, you know, Rock and Roll, ma- uh, Rolling Stones magazine and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then passed around a hundred times, you know, right. inside the closet having a poster of the Beatles or something, you know, Um the Beatles, man, that's a generation gap where I'm like, you like, you know, like, what the hell, dude? I mean, anyways, yeah, how could the Beatles be illegal? Anyway, you know, anyways, Um, I feel like we've done, there's a lot more on the Bohemian podcast. For oh, my sure, gosh, yes. Uh, under, you know, Austria, Austria, Hungary, <laughs> the Middle Ages, years? the foundation. I mean, 80 years. Um, we have
2: 80 episodes, right? Yeah. Like close to 80. Something, yeah. Something
1: like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Pete and I are also the the uh, voices of History of Alchemy. There's another 80 episodes there. So if you just want to hear us talk, uh, there's another, like 160 episodes out there. Um, but, yeah, even if you've never thought about Czech history before, like, it's you're going to find it. I feel like learning is interesting. If it's something I've never heard about, then, you know, if it's a white area on the map to you, Bohemia, what does even Bohem- Bohemians? I thought they were more like gypsies wandering around the free lifestyle yeah. <laughs> stoners well no but we do explain that on the bohemican podcast so um yeah go go listen what can i say now th- some of the best videos that we have are pete's videos on the Bohemian podcast channel which you can find directly on the bohemican podcast channel or uh through podcastnic.com there's links or on the podcastnic channel all the videos are there too um what was your favorite? Which which one did you like the
2: best? Did you like the flying one with my son?
1: That that was good. I like the yeah. baseball one. I really like the baseball. I really really like the baseball kind of glimpse of I. That was something because it was just new to me. I was like, yeah, that's that's okay. really neat. Yeah. Um, but of course, the ones that we made in Pilsen is like that'll like the one that I'm gonna watch again in 50 years and be like, oh, that was the shit, man. It's yeah. Is like the Pilsen True. one. Um, which burning, you know, it was like, I'm sitting out there eating sausages or something like, uh, it was just, you know, roasting. It was just good fun. Like there's so many just good times. Um, I don't remember what we did out of, cause we, we've, we've gone to like, um, reenactments and stuff. I don't know if we've done videos out of that. Some of that's in your photography. Oh, we, right no, now. we
2: did be about a Bila Hora. We did a big video
1: on that one. There's a video there. Okay. then that's, yep. that's gotta be up there. You know? Yeah. Um, I would say quality wise. Tolson was really good. Uh the the, yeah. the baseball one. I because it's kind of your latest one, so every video kind of gets better for sure. But oh my goodness. Yeah, Sedlets and Hoska was a great That was fun. Did I cut that glad, one? Maybe I cut that, that one. Yeah. Um yeah, that, that's on your did. channel. And that's that's so we went to like the most haunted castle in the world, I would say. It's like a gateway to hell is Hoska. Astonishing Legends did a big chunk on it, a big two-hour. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, sent them, like, you know, we did this. And they, they had me on the show and stuff. Um, so then, we, then when I was in Prague, we went out to Hoska and filmed them a, filmed them a film. And then we went to the Bone Church in Kutnahora where it's just, like, human skulls. You see the Rosenberg uh, yeah, coat of arms right. out of humans, human bones. Like, chandelier out of human bones. You know, you just got to... You gotta watch it. It's on the Bohemian. That that might be my favorite because it's just kind of like uh, if I'm gonna go watch uh, some documentary on you know I don't really watch ghost hunters and stuff like that, but I do appreciate the macabre and the you know like the the, the legends and stories behind some of that. So yeah, the whole thing's like a ten minute video. So, yeah, yeah, I I, I like it. I feel like ideally we would have a production team and someone that follows us around with a camera, like a camera guy, camera gal, whatever. That, that and, would be so know. much
2: easier if we had that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, if you are a gung-ho fan and you're looking for work, well, there's a budget for that, I suppose. <laughs> um, come come hit us up. <laughs> sure, The, the thing is, it should be someone local. Like, I live in the Bay Area, Pete's in Prague. Um, that makes it kind of rough. But if you live in San Jose or, you know, Santa Clara or San Francisco or Berkeley or Oakland or... You know, so just hit me up. Um, ideally, yeah, we're looking for a, a camera person, uh, someone to edit, maybe, so, you know, help edit, um, that well, kind of I, thing. I think we're
2: also yeah. looking, more importantly, for a virtual assistant, right? We need a VA,
1: also, like badly. I might badly. already have one, but if you feel oh, like okay. you got if you, if you have Shopify experience and want to write some tweets, manage a subreddit, you know, it's right. also, if you don't know those, how to do those things, I can teach that stuff. But yeah, that's true. We might as well do a shout out to uh, to that, um, and we do have sponsors, which will be. I'm just. I'm not going to mention them now. We'll just put them in the description. This is our show. Yeah, we're we're paid, but you know what? They didn't pay us for this episode. This is my yeah, episode. This is, nice. this is our yeah. episode. So they're in the description. You can get a good deal on headphones. You can get a good deal on like classic books and a schedule on how to read them and stuff. But look at the description. Um, what I will mention, and if you're watching the video, you're seeing it right now is our merch because we do pay someone who is more talented than us <laughs> right. to do, to do to art. To design them. Yeah, yep. for, for our shows and, and or for our t-shirts and mugs and hats and whatever. And then I kind of put them together like we get a design and then I put the words on and stuff. So, right. um, so there's, there's a unique take on, on a bunch of the, the stuff. But um, definitely check out our merch because we got, yeah, a ton of stuff coming out. And then if you're watching this, subscribe to also subscribe to the podcast, the podcast, Nick podcast. And if you're listening to this, definitely subscribe to the podcast, Nick YouTube channel. So we're kind of doing both that we don't miss anything, and, but yeah. there'll be different content on both. So, and I kind of feel like, yeah, subscribe to both, but then skip the ones you've already seen or skip the ones, um, you know, there'll be exclusive content on, on both of those things. So you'll miss out if you're not listening to both.
2: Yeah. I, I I would just, I would just say that uh, doing a show like this is great that we get to uh, uh, introduce ourselves personally more to our listeners um, and then talk, talk mainly about why we do this and what were the, the highlights of our, our time doing this. Uh, we have so many cool things coming up. Uh, we are working our tails off <laughs> trying yeah. to get these things done um, and still trying to conduct lives as uh, you know, worker bees and and parents and all that kind of good stuff and, uh, I know Travis has a fur baby. Uh, I've got two kids, so you know this—that's a lot of stuff to take care of, right there. So uh, we're trying yeah. to make it
1: happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Like now, now it's the, okay. We're like, we're a good two hours in. People have stopped listening. That don't care anymore. Uh, so I did want to point out, like, why are we even doing this? Is uh, or why even the new podcast is um, part of the reason is, let's have a one feed. That I can pitch to new listeners that like, here's the best of all of our shows. It's, it's the Pete and Travis greatest hits and you it, you know, from history of Germany. Um, but the best Americana, the best Africa, all the Africa shows will probably end up on. I've retired that podcast officially. And just, you know, if I have so I will have an interview with someone that lived in Africa and then I'll come on this feed. And it's just so it's much more like whatever we want to talk about. If I want to talk about some topic that is does not fit into all the other categories like Czech Republic, history of science, Africa, America, Germany, then I can do it anyways. Because we've got the podcastnik Nick, YouTube, uh, you know, YouTube channel and podcast. Um, and then on the other hand, some of our most popular. I've done a lot of interviews recently, mostly in German. So and I kind of felt like. But I got new listeners from those podcasts. They were like, oh, I never cared about U.S. history, but I do like Travis. And so now they give <laughs> my show a chance. Um, and and also, it's weird, but we have more alchemy listeners now, a year after, after we've published, than we ever yeah. did when we were publishing new shows every month or every two weeks. So as sad as that makes us, you know, we're, Hey, you know, welcome to the history of alchemy for all the new listeners out there. And it's crazy that we've kind of given up because it's such a niche topic. Um, But that's given us so much hope that I'm picking up alchemy books again. And there's, there's a new episode out on the, on the podcast feed even and more to come. Um, But also kind of so that that doesn't get lost in the mix that we'll, we'll bring that up on the podcast next show. Right. And then, On Americana, I did this experiment where I talk about American history to Germans, and in the era of Trump, it's kind of like you have to explain where you're coming from and who you are, and that you're not just like some make America great again person, because Germans don't buy that. That's not okay. So, you know, so I, I every 10th episode, I'll just explain about, you know, Silicon Valley and what I'm doing. And, you know, I'd, I'd take a motorcycle ride, I'd go camping, I'd, you know, whatever it was, I you know, I went down to LA, I went down to San Diego for Comic-Con, I shot some video there, made a German video about Comic-Con, maybe I'll do a, an English one. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and it turns out that those like more personal, like vlogging sort of formats. I'm not going to turn into a vlogger. Don't worry. But like those personal <laughs> yeah, episodes do where that. Us is talking about. <laughs> yeah, but those were actually got more downloads. Those were like the, oh, Travis is telling us about LA again. You know, I was like, you guys, you know, like how does this get more downloads than uh, Martin Luther King or, or JFK? But, you know, I saw, I stumbled across a video production. I stumbled across a rapper shooting a rap video. And, you know, like actually like interrupted his video shoot and asked him questions. And you know, like all these, I was like, yeah, I guess if you've never been here, that's pretty interesting. So, um, just the motorcycle, you know, riding a motorcycle up by five, even to like Lake Shasta and Mount Shasta and into Oregon. And I did it all in German. Cause I was like, no one cares, but they loved it. They like, they right. loved the ones where I was talking about comic-con or what I did personally, Um, You know, just my life around Silicon Valley and the homeless problem and the, you know, like rent is so crazy. And, um, you know, that, you know, that like you have to make six figures here just to not be poor. Like, it's just, you know, they were just they were just eating it up and they really loved it. So I thought maybe that maybe that isn't a bad idea. Maybe like we have enough fans that just like what we talk about or like the way we talk. Uh, that'll listen to us or watch us talk about anything and maybe not, maybe I'm totally delusional. So, but here's, here's what we find out. So this is, this is one of those episodes where now it's three hours in. I can tell people, uh, two hours, you know, what we, what we were thinking. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like every time we just have a message and we just want to come on the show and talk about whatever it is we want to talk about, we'll do that. It probably won't be politics and it probably won't be current events. Um, right i just we, uh, don't Shelf life. Like...
2: we want to have shelf life for some of this stuff by well, well, the way too. yeah
1: from a business point of view it doesn't make sense i feel like it's we're putting our sponsors on the line the sponsors that we have right now are sponsors that we've gotten from pretty safe topics like history like history of germany and and history of germany that's not all about nazis or you know history right. and alchemy that is not all about like ancient aliens and like crazy stupid stuff but like actual historic sources and like i know the difference between a primary source and a tertiary source and you know we were like very critical of that stuff and i think our sponsors um and a, and a part of it is that we're in networks so um i'm not i'm never i'm not i'm not even going to mention our networks this time around because maybe they don't like that we're doing this i i don't know
2: um i keep it let's keep it simple on the out the gate that's fine
1: yeah you know? yeah so yeah. So, yeah, and it's just kind of like, okay, but I know from experience that we got some listeners that are just like, dude, tell us more stuff. Like, you guys are, not to, like, toot my own horn, but, you know, some people are like, you guys are crazy smart, and, you know, why don't you just, you know, I could listen to them talk about whatever. So, this is kind of that. Let's just, there's topics that have been burning, like, oh, we want to talk about XYZ, and it just doesn't fit onto any of the shows. Now we can talk about whatever we want also showcase the best of the best that we've done previously and you know we'll have new africa content new america americana content that's never been out anywhere before only here so we'll have some exclusive stuff like this episode for instance that's only out here so um if you're just if you're if you're a fan of the travis and pete brand if you're a fan of you know travis pete imad yudit andrew you know, whoever else we might have in our circle of, you know, butler, uh for secret cabinet, you know, all those, you know, if you're a, a fan of those content creators and, and, you know, our post-production team and, you know, you just, you appreciate what we're doing and you want to hear more, you know, subscribe, there's a Patreon page, give us a review on iTunes, all that stuff. But most importantly, just like shout out on Twitter, tell people what we're doing, explain to your yeah, friends who we are. That would be great. And, um, the reason we just talked for three hours is to let you know who we are and give you guys a, a bigger, you know, behind-the-scenes glimpse of, like, we're just trying to make it all happen. And we all got—Yuda has a day job. Imad is a Syrian refugee, for Pete's sake. You know, we're just trying to, like—we're almost a non-for-profit. We just want to give Imad a good life. Like, he's just part of—he's in our fold now of people that we want, we want to care, care for. Um, so— Buy our shirts is what we're saying. Buy a damn coffee yes. cup is what we're saying. <laughs> Hit that like button. Uh, subscribe. You know, just like send, if send you've come this Pete far to on the podcast, That's... tell your friends, like <laughs> break it down. Tell, tell them what we're doing. Our mission statement is we're trying to yeah. get past access off the ground. We're trying to get some some interest there. And um, we're always out think, on the lookout you think, for more you think sponsors. We can, uh, you think know? we get
2: Pete to Istanbul? Next year,
1: let's get PT. I want to go to Istanbul. Screw you! I'll be Come your on, camera it, guy. Man. I'll be your camera guy. It.
2: So want to go there?
1: I'll, I'll be your camera so guy. So want to go there? Yeah. I'll, I'll throw your wheelchair in the taxi. Like I, I like <laughs> in Nuremberg, we were a good, pretty good team. We made it happen. Yeah. yeah. We spent some money on taxis, but oh my gosh, but we I made know. it happen. like
2: crazy. Like crazy. Um, but this has been fun, Travis. This, this has been fun. It's been a lot of fun uh, kind of reminiscing and talking about this stuff. It's great. You
1: know, I feel like let's see how this does. I got a couple of other guests lined up and I got a couple of videos lined up and a couple of other podcast audio only shows lined up with guests. And I'll just kind of see how it goes. And if people are, you know, if people show their support a little bit. And I, I had an Americana episode uh, podcast my americana podcast in german is 120 episodes and i then gave it up because i kind of it's kind of a bone to pick that some of my most loyal uh, fans are americana and it just it just wasn't enough it just wasn't like get the word out retweet it if we talk to a wall that doesn't pay the bills and we just have to like it's just so well, sad that pivot. people loved pivot. it. And it's no. just like, well, you, sorry, you weren't supportive enough. And that's just like, ouch. Like we got shows that make money right now and I can do history of Germany until I die. And we got, you know, it brings, I could probably quit my job and just do history of Germany. And, but it's kind of like, that's not fulfilling. That's not everything we want to do. And so you guys got to yeah. do your part. And I feel like if you've, if you're watching this right now, two hours in, you kind of already are, (laughs) but, but no, I'm just saying like (laughs) shows that failed with super loyal fans. Bohemian is one of our smallest shows actually. And the reason like the the fans are so loud, you know, the fans are like, but we're Czech Americans in Kansas or St. Louis or, uh, Texas or wherever. And you're like our favorite podcast It's like, okay, but we got like a thousand subscribers, you know? So it was like 10 times that on history of Germany. Um, but yeah, like so, just just it's a niche topic. All everything we do is kind of um, very homegrown and uh, self-produced, and like taking up our our leisure time, you know, with the wife and kids and everything. So um, we really do appreciate every ounce of support, every dollar on Patreon and all that stuff. And you know, if you just look on Podcast Nick Shop, I feel like you'll get what we're like. We really do spend time on curating that collection. And, you know, I joke with Pete being like, Hey, bottom line is like, we're not actually history podcasters. We're, we're baseball yeah, we're sellers. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like that's because otherwise it doesn't pay the bills anymore. Um, I mean, the beginning, it was like such a passion that we just made it happen. But at this point, like there's sunk costs that, we, that if we don't recoup, it's like, okay, I got to pull the plug and y- you'll no longer even be able to find us online. Like it's just, it's gone. Um, I don't know. Have we gotten too big? I don't know. Is just, it's just where we are? Mm-hmm. Like, I think yes, yeah, it is I think it's fair to say f- uh, safe to to say at the two hour mark. Like, thanks so much for listening. But do subscribe. Do do retweet. Yeah. At podcast Nick at Bohemican at Travis J Dow um, at Germany Podcast. You know, follow us. Follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Check out the um, History Podcast subreddit. That's ours. Check out the Agora Network podcast. Uh, subreddit whatever it's called agora podcast network subreddit yeah um and yeah that's everybody post our stuff to reddit i don't want to i don't want to self post post this to post this to our videos thanks so much no anyways <laughs> but yeah thanks for watching thanks for listening thanks i think uh yeah i'm hungry
2: yeah, yeah.
1: it's time to eat drunk sure. chunk are completely vegan yeah I, I sorry too much beer